Mike! Hey, man, how's it going? Just, uh, what are we doing here anyway? Like, what, what are we doing, brother? What's up, man? I'm glad you made it, bro. Yeah, like, what is this? Is this like a party or something? It's just, it's a big surprise. There's a lot of chicks that get wild here, man. I mean, oh, like, yeah? really wild. Uh, all right. So just come on in, man. You'll, you'll love it, cool. man. I know it. You'll love it. I mean, hey, chicks, wild chicks, man. It's been a while, I guess. Welcome, man, to Cannibal Inferno. This is pretty wild. Yeah, man, man let loose! Woo! Yeah! Hey, is everybody supposed to be, like, naked here? Seems kind of weird. Yeah, man, don't even worry about it, bro. There's tits and dicks everywhere. We're gonna have a blast! Yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, shit, fuck, it's crazy. Dude, hey, dude. I'll be right back. I'm gonna get you a drink, man. All right, yeah, give me one of those fizzy thing drinks. The, the thing with the, the umbrella. All right, see you in a second, man. Jeez, uh, everybody's just kind of staring at me. This is like a dance club or something. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> hey, it's nice to see you. I hope you're having a good night. I'll uh, buy you a drink later. Okay. Kind of cool with this. Jeez. What the fuck is Dave at, man? Indeed. Hey! Hey! No, no, no! What are you doing? Hey, what the fuck? Holy oh, shit! Hey! Oh, 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 that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. Beyond the void. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Oh, you're going to do a not, not sexy Oh, I have this to do time. the sexy one? No, time? no. <laughs> oh, I thought that was last time just to like, throw everybody off. <laughs> Dude, I made it like echo out and like. Oh, shit. <laughs> See, I'm fucking shit up already, goddamn. Brittany's fucking crazy right now. Fucking crazy. <laughs> but, guys, welcome back to the show. It is a brand new week. It is Monday. And we're going to be fucking rocking your fucking asses off with some fucking awesome movies. Yeah, that ass you had, say goodbye. <laughs> it's going to be blown out. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds really bad. It's like an overused pussy. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about two movies, and we're calling this episode Cannibal Inferno. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the disco music. Dun, dun, dun. I can't do disco. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Cannibal Live. Cannibal Live. 
That works, now right? we're gonna get fucking sued. Thanks, Brittany. Yeah, sorry. Well, I didn't say any words. You know, it's a pretty uh, iconic little noise. There. Oh, it totally is. That's the, that's the biggest fucking disco fuck. song you can think of. Yeah, that's probably. literally all my brain did was oh shit, staying alive, <laughs> staying alive. That's what a lot of these people did in these disco. movies. Well, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, so just so you know. This week is going to be a little bit shorter than most weeks. Uh, we are not going to be having a Thursday episode. So unfortunately, we have some things that are planned that we are unable to make it on Thursday. And we apologize for that. But we will make it up to you next week with a or brand new. We? Yeah, well, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. If you guys are nice. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> if you share this, maybe. We'll think about it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, this week, definitely only this Monday's episode. So do not check back on Thursday, but make sure you always check back on Thursdays. So today we're actually going to be mixing one and two, part one and two together in a way. In a way. It's almost like what we did for the first, like when we first started this. Right. Just like flesh and potatoes. That's mm -hmm. all it was. But uh, flesh. Now, to give you guys an idea, Brittany is going to tell a story that you're probably not going to want to eat your lunch to. So I'm giving you a fair warning so you know. So this is your warning. You have been warned. So Brittany has some cool news. What have you been up to, Brittany? So over the weekend, I actually uh, was able to assist on an autopsy, Ooh. which was fantastic. She was pop, 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 popping ribs. Pop, pop, popping ribs and brings and all kinds of shit all over the place. It was fabulous. <laughs> and all of my like extremely hot and unflattering PPE material. So Now, are you allowed to talk about most of this? Uh, a I know bit. that you had a little bit of an issue. You couldn't talk about everything. No, you can't just do to not to HIPAA laws and um, privacy. Right. Well, you know, of course, I wouldn't you know, want you to do laws, that. Laws, pretty much. Like, I can't release a whole lot of details, but I did get um, the approval from uh, the pathologist that I worked with and my girlfriend, Lindsay, that brought me on to work the case with them. Um, oh, okay. Kind of like an explaining a little bit because a lot of people aren't aware that they're actually like private practice pathologists that pretty much will take up cases for hire from family members or whatever when like a hospital or um, the county morgue doesn't want to do an autopsy for a body because they don't feel like it's anything suspicious. Okay. If that's the case and the family still wants one done, they have the option to hire. Um, this is what so the there case are was this private time. practices. Yeah. And so the doctor that she works with, who is fantastic, she's an amazing pathologist and she's incredibly funny um and lighthearted and just really really cool which i love because in pathology you either have one or the other right you yeah have a super really, serious really funny like down to earth chill pathologist that's gonna <laughs> fucking talk your ear off the whole time and make jokes and make light of the situation to kind of keep you like you know keep your brain a little occupied from the fact that you're about to cut open someone who was alive right you know 24 hours ago well some people much. feel that if you make jokes or it's don't rude. take it it's rude it's right. it's, it's can, inconsiderate right but i mean if the family's there you're not going to do that in front well, of them Well, they do that in front of them wait no. oh <laughs> no. like what if family's there you're not going to crack jokes or whatever about <laughs> it like in that situation of course not unless the family's cool as fuck like, let's laugh about death let's laugh about the fact that your grandpa's dead <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah and that would really hurt if he was still still alive right mm -hmm. am i right mm -hmm. am i wow you guys aren't oh, yeah. laughing what the hell <laughs> um but yeah or there's the extremely not even a dry sense they have no humor they're just just like dried vaginas I, I am an autopsy super robot and they just aren't interesting i mean they're interesting because they're incredibly intelligent however of course they everybody's are just different. very straight to the point 
in and out kind right. of just get this done and it doesn't it doesn't really help with the educational purpose behind it i i feel so the big question is did you get to crap crack those did ribs? i get to crap the ribs <laughs> did you crap on those ribs i crapped on those ribs <laughs> did you dump um, a log on some oh my god how disrespectful I, I actually have kind of like a funny it's not funny it's actually kind of terrifying but um and also like a, a, a little bit of a weird fact of something that occurred before we even made like the first cut right on the body um you know we're sitting there and the patient was um positive for some type of hepatitis um Ooh, oh, records yeah. are a little bit foggy if it you know as to the specific type that it was which happens quite often where you'll get you know contradictory records okay um however you know there's a positive post about this person having hepatitis so we have to treat the body we treat everybody very carefully but you have to treat this one extra careful every body every quote-unquote body yeah um <laughs> I mean, you're Sorry. supposed to treat everybody with universal precautions anyways of However, course yeah in a situation where you know there's something present you're even more careful. aware yeah and you're more aware and you're you're a little bit more cautious as far as where you're putting your hands or where you know someone's making a cut versus where you're trying to touch when you're interested in something or so like for me i had to be really careful of where like i don't stick my hands inside a body cavity when she's making an incision just because i want to be like I want to feel that, you know, and, and I'm very hands on with everything that I want to do. And I, I'm like, I want to touch the fat. I want to touch the, the heart. I want mommy. to touch everything. And so I was very you know, cautious about keeping my hands behind me and watching and asking before I would touch anything. Okay. Just to be sure that the the playing field was clear, essentially. Okay. Um, But before we the even playing started, field? the playing field, for <laughs> me, it's playing field. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. I should be I know, laughing. I, I probably sound so insensitive about it. But you are. You want a bitch. I know. I just, I, <laughs> it was cool. So I, we're, we're sitting there and she's getting ready and she's kind of discussing, you know, how she's going to make the first incisions and how she gets ready to, you know, prep this and get it going. She goes along and she marks everything down on her, you know, she actually has the full, you know, front and back portrait of the body basically not the actual person but it's just a picture of like a front and back view sure. of a body and she we go through and we mark every single weird spot first we make comments of whether you know the patient's circumcised whether they're not circumcised um things like that nature. very important stuff like absolutely that. and it, it and it can you know it, it seems kind of weird but it <laughs> It can be something that's helpful down the line. Why do you have to slip in in some sort of intelligent dick joke? Well, Brittany? you know, <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> um, so, but before we actually got started, I I looked up at the shoulder of the corpse that's in front of us, and I noticed there's a fucking mosquito sitting on his shoulder, and it is actively sucking, sucking, and just getting fat. Yeah, and he's obviously he's not embalmed. There's no embalming fluid or anything in him. Like it's just if he can get anything out of this body, he's getting contaminated blood because this person has hepatitis. And I'm just sitting there going, Ooh. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, first of all, I wasn't, a, and I I might sound completely stupid to some people who I don't I don't fucking study mosquitoes. So to me, I don't think that I thought that they would only go for things that are alive. However, it makes sense that they're not going to know the difference necessarily. I mean, right. But everybody was whatever kind of surprised. blood melon they can suck on. Right. But everybody was a little surprised about that in the room that he was actually actively sucking on it. And there's multiple bodies in this room. Did you have to kill it? And oh, yeah, we killed it. We killed the fuck out of that bug. Let me tell you. You like, got it the first swing? Fuck yeah. Okay. With like your hand or like a. She. No, yeah. She smacked it with her glove. But we have like three pairs of gloves on. She smacked it right with her hands. And then she switched out her gloves and changed them. Hmm. And um, I mean, there's, a, there's no way in hell that that. Goddamn bug lawyers, glove, man. But it was. <laughs> Kind of terrifying because if yeah, I what if it flew up and sucked on your neck? If I wouldn't have noticed that fucking bug, 
like that stupid fucking mosquito in that moment, once he would have departed from that body, if he got anything from there, that's hepatitis that he's going to go and spread. Right. How does it smell? Um, Fine. Which, you didn't puke or you didn't have to put no. that weird white chalk on no, your nose? No, no. <laughs> they do in the movies? You have to wear so much protect, like personal protective equipment. Like you're wearing this full gown that wraps all the way around you. And there's actually like a rubber lining in the front. Okay. So it's a little bit more heavy in the front part of you, but it helps to protect from getting injured or cut. It's crazy. And to keep blood off of your clothes. Keep body fluids and stuff off your clothes. If something goes awry or you perforate a fucking bowel and it shoots shit all over you or whatever. Um, But... <laughs> Which can happen. <laughs> so it could like pee on and you? And this was an incredibly bloody autopsy. Was it circum... I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm just sorry. I'm, um, I'm so curious now since you said that. So we, you know, we killed a mosquito and then we, we continue. Since the patient had had the diagnosis that they did of having a hepatitis, the um, pathologist, you know, took the lead and did all of the major incisions. and So that made, it wouldn't And most up. of the removals, mainly because she technically needs to be the one doing it and you know she was a little sad because she kind of wanted to have Lindsay, you know take the lead and have me assist in more things you know she's also a mom and so she's very extra cautious with us like we're young and we have our whole lives ahead of us and she's looking at it like i don't want to be responsible if something happens and it was it was really cool so did you pop the the ribs and shit i got to actually like she showed me how she does it she obviously like does the whole it's not necessarily it's kind of like a y incision but it's not like how they make it seem like a straight y in the movies it actually comes up from the tops of like the shoulders and comes all the way down and then it goes all the way down and then they go around the belly button and then take it down past the pubic bone okay oof and then she has to sit there. So was and this a male or female? It was or a no? male. Okay. Um, but that's pretty much as much as much as I can talk no, about. No, no, no. That's fine. Like, I don't need to know anything more. Um, I can't give like ages or anything sure, like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I can say like they did come from a hospital, so it was interesting to see that they still had the tube down their throat and everything. And oh they still wow! Had they didn't even take line. that out. Mm-mm. They still had like a pick line in their neck and stuff that they were using because it was after like a surgery and stuff. Oh. Um, it was really it was really interesting to see like how it was done and i will say like i was a little apprehensive like in the first instance i had to help her lift the body bag out from underneath the corpse and so that's you know she first had to straighten the one arm out because yeah and it was his real arm, stiff his arm was up on his like resting on grab. his chest oh, no. and so once rigor sets in it's, right it's, it's impossible it's, almost you have to break bones a lot of the time in order to just, like rest them where you need them she didn't have to break any of the bones, thankfully, but she had to fucking yank it to get it to be straight enough. So then, of course, she has me come up and grab up by the shoulder and then grab down by the hip bone and pull him towards me so she can get underneath it. And I'm just, just I'm still trying to wrap and I've seen the bodies a million times in my life, but it, I haven't really had to like touch, touch one, yeah. or, quote unquote, play with one or anything like that. So for me, I was like, OK, I've dealt with plenty of people, but they're still alive, just unconscious. But that's still the same kind of dead weight. So but- did you have to work it like they do in Return of the Living Dead? do you know what i'm talking about he's like this is something that you'll never learn in the books uh he's like this is something they don't teach you in school and he was like you gotta work the you gotta work the arms to get it loose yeah and i mean it's more it's not as like gentle as it kind of appears in In that movie yeah yeah, in movies or in any type of like a documentary or something that you watch so it was like like poppy she really just went and grabbed the arm and set it into place where she needed it to be straight. Oof. And you didn't hear anything. I was bracing for like a pop or um, a, like a, a clear break sound, but that didn't happen. Huh. So, interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. But the cool part, so she she showed me how to do, she kind of, she has to separate all of the muscle and fat From the chest? and everything. 
everything from the chest and the abdominal cavity and then kind of fillet it out. Right. Um, so it sets out on its own. Like we didn't have to use the like the forceps to keep it open. It just kind of stayed flat on the side. Okay. Is that typical or no? Uh, it depends on the body. I think it depends on the size ah, um, of okay. the corpse and how fit or not they are. Fit or not yeah. they are. Um, so if they Makes have sense. weight to it, it'll stay flat. Okay. To the sides, or if you know it's a small body cavity or something, you kind of need to have the like forcep in there to keep it open. Gotcha. Um. So, but we didn't need to do that. So she started to begin prepping to remove the rib cage. So she does kind of like an incision where she starts towards the base and then goes up towards the top, and it's like a line that goes up that you follow with the actual straight up garden shears to go in and cut the rib. Cage. Oh, it is straight up garden shears. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's they really? look like big. Pruning, so was it pruning e- shears. Was it easy to pop? The first, like once you get to the last three ribs towards the upper area. What, oh, upper area. That's harder. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. The last one up towards the collarbone area is Makes the sense. hardest to break through. Pro- yeah. And I mean, you have to have. That's like a bolt cutter action absolutely. right there. Yeah. You've got to put some fucking body behind it. And did you do all of them all the way up? I did the ones, the right side entirely myself. Really? And cut all the way up through. And I watched, you know, I watched her the first time on the left side. But it was interesting. This is fascinating, by the way. As soon as she made the first incision to kind of start to separate where we needed to start the cuts, like just blood instantly starts pooling out. Did it squirt out or no? It ju- it didn't squirt. Like there wasn't no like there just, wasn't just a, heavily. Yeah, it just. So it like, was like because you were piercing the lung. Well, he had. Um, a significant amount of blood pooled in the left side of his chest cavity and abdominal wall. So it was just that side. And it was literally just fucking pools out. And then as soon as we made the cuts into the rib cage on that left side, everywhere. Wow. It was so much blood. It was insane. So Um, are you allowed to talk about what you found out about this? Actually, we ended it as inconclusive. Really? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting um, because we thought it was going to be a pretty clear cut case considering the patient's history and under the circumstances of which he passed and we we looked at it going and then the, the pooling of all the blood and, which, and which makes like that. yeah that makes me wonder we had a pretty general pretty great idea you know of what happened um however the further we got into it the more we realized this is not going to be as clear cut as we thought it was going to be dude immediately and i know this is like kind of off subject a little bit but immediately i think of the well, it's not off subject, but Autopsy of Jane Doe. Have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Like just that whole process is so fascinating. Like oh, how they find layers of it's stuff. It's incredible. You know, and, and I watch all, I'm notorious myself of watching autopsy videos and documentaries right. um, and educational courses. Or like while, knee surgeries and While I'm eating shit. dinner. What? You know, I'll be eating dinner and watching it. And the Why are you gonna be so badass, crazy Brittany? thing to me was <laughs> later on when we were dissecting the organs. Because she takes pieces of each organ that she takes home and that, she, you know, that she studies, that she does different, you know, path reports right. and stuff on and um, gross dictations and things like that. And, um, you know, tests for further disease or further damage or whatever. Right. And the whole time, like, I'm sitting there and she's doing this and I'm just going, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> like, I just want to go eat something so bad. I'm like, I'm like trying to think of, like, what I want to eat afterwards, you know, like. So what did they say? Procedure. So let me ask you this. So what did they say about your demeanor and everything? 
with the whole situation? She oh, was like, this is for you or um, did they give you any tips or pointers or? Well, thoughts? she at first, you know, it, I kind of came off like I looked like I was thinking I was hurting him a little bit. So oh. I, I, I came off a little bit um, too eager too no, not eager. I came off a little bit too nervous about it as to where I wasn't disassociating the fact that this, you know, this is a corpse. This isn't a living person. I can't right. hurt them. They don't have any feelings. You know, so hey, I was you're a making bit, license plates here. I was a little bit more um traverse time tender, though. Essentially, like with this person. I was a little bit more kind and more not not to say that they're not kind. They well, are. What do they expect? You're not a sociopath. Well, no, but I, I know. And I think it's just because of, you know, and Lindsay was actually the one that made the comment about it. And I think it's because she knows me. Right. You well, know, I'm just thinking to myself, where... like, does everybody that does this have to be a sociopath? Like, no, absolutely that's, not. Because I would assume that just about anybody would be in that particular situation. Right. Probably 10 times worse than you were. And it, yeah. And it, Apprehensive or whatever. I felt the same. I felt, I mean, they're right. And, you know, she was right in the comment that she made. Because I was feeling that way about myself, too. I was trying to be like, look, I need to separate. Like, this was pretty much my my test for myself to determine, can I hack it in this profession? Right. Because this is something I've wanted to pursue for a very long time. But I wanted to actually get my hands dirty in the process to determine if I wanted to spend that amount of money and that amount of time, you know, to go to school for it. Because it is a long time right like it is a lot of school it is a lot of money and you invest a lot of yourself into that field so what do you think oh i'm so in you're I'm in. yeah i would as i would assume like, I it sounds like you're ready to drink tea and eat a fucking hoagie off the chest Yeah, i mean i have a they fed uh, me fucking punch i'd fucking take it and i'd die for those people like I, I don't know that was an amazing experience for me all the fucking horror movies that i've seen and everything like that there's a <laughs> I'm trying to make this fucking website. It prepares you for it's, absolutely It's a nothing. silly thing, but there's <laughs> like, I, I picture you being one of the, what I call corpse sandwich peoples. <laughs> uh, corpse sandwich is when you see a movie when they're eating a sandwich on top of a dead person. That would be me. <laughs> So yeah, it doesn't so, it doesn't bother me at all. So you and have to be a part of the corpse sandwich pot. Uh, I'm so thing. About, I'm so about it because, like I said, that whole time I'm sitting there going, I'm so hungry. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I want a steak dude. or I want a sandwich or I want something. So and, by the I, way, next time you do something really cool like this, I'm going first to tell what happened to me so that it's not as bad. Okay, like leading in. <laughs> I will say my favorite part, though, about the whole thing was I got to do a lot more than I thought I was going to be able to do. Like, I got to really get my fucking hands dirty in the whole thing. Yeah, which was excellent. no, you did. You did a whole side. But I did a whole side. But I actually got to she wanted the brain, of course. And oh, you had to fucking drill it. Well, no, she takes a bone saw and yeah. they cut, they do, uh, you know, extremely precise cuts into the skull. And once they do the cuts, and especially when you're not sure what's going to be done with the body, um, whether they're going to be cremated or whether it's going to be an open casket, if you're not sure what's going to happen with it afterwards, you have to be very careful and you have to do your incisions based on that. So since we didn't know, we have to start the incision a whole lot further back on right. the skull. And then you have to take so we started it yeah so they started on the back of the head right. i thought it was always on the front it can't you know it, it can be and if it's not going to be something that's going to be viewed like you can start it up in this area and then it's easier to peel that uh, back okay, this yeah. way versus the opposite so the way we had to do it was we start back by the crown of the head or the and top you pull part the skin of the head. forward yes and you have to pull over the, the skin face forward over the face and since we don't know what's going to happen with the face 
we can't necessarily, unless you're extremely skilled with a scalpel, to go in there and separate the layers of muscle from the facial structure, like the bones and right. the skull. You actually have to physically take your hands and put your hands between the skin and the skull and separate. So you literally have to push and pop and pop and you feel everything. And like I have little fat little Vienna sausage. I'm so glad I'm drunk right now. So it was a little difficult for me (laughs) to get in like and and she had me help her, you know, get in there to do it. And it was a little harder for me because my little Vienna sausage fingers were not allowing for it. But (laughs) and I kept feeling like I was going to perforate through his fucking face. And I'm like, God damn it. If my fucking fingers go through this guy's forehead, like I'm going to feel so bad because I just fucked his whole face up. Jeez, and then, well, like, that doesn't even matter at this the point. The makeup Brittany. artist is going to be really mad at me. If she oh, my God. That. Like, so it was uh, everybody wants to hear about it. I got fucking bombarded at this party that I went to like, <laughs> the day after or the night after, like a couple hours after I did the procedure. Anyways, so the cool part when you actually have to separate the skull cap like remove the skull cap from the skull to get the brain out. Okay. You take this like big metal straight up mallet. It's okay. like a to pop the skull off. Right. And yeah. so you, it's the it's the mallet on this end and then the other end is a curved hook. And Oh and yeah, kind of like a shoehorn. Right. And yeah, then there's yeah, yeah. a piece that looks kind of, it's it basically it's it's a key essentially. So it has a flat end that you would use to hit you use the mallet to hit that in and, you and unlock. then you whatever. unlock in consciousness. Pretty much. So you place <laughs> the key into the top part of the skull. Bone saws are incredible because they can cut through fucking bone, but they will not cut your hand. Okay. So you place the key in, you take the mallet, hammer it. Pop. One really good click. You hear it pop. You twist the key and it goes and it pops the skull, like the skull cap a little bit out of place. Like a soda. Pretty much. And then you take the hook end of the mallet and hook it in. And then I got to do this part which was the greatest fucking experience of my life, let me tell you. you ho- And so I have to hold on to the, pa- like, to the corpse's forehead. You take the hook part that's attached into the skull cap and you have to yank it back to essentially rip the skull cap and the membrane off of the brain in order to open it and release it. And let me tell you, and I'm going to sound like a, such a sick fuck to everybody listening, but it was the most gratifying feeling and sound ever that's weird it was incredible and i cannot replicate it sound like, it. like a I suction cup or some I, shit kind of, a, a little bit like but it's <sighs> like this the noises that it makes like i can't i can't make the sound effect myself that's crazy man and it's one of those things that you can't do it unless you're actually in there physically recording that happening <laughs> and it's the same with with the ribs and the cool thing with the rib cage is they keep that full thing intact and you put it to the side and i after, need a cigarette right now after you're done i feel like i've been fucked mentally i know right But here's one more fun fact that a lot of people didn't know. After you're done with all of the pieces that you don't use from the organs. So I got to literally see everything. I got to see the prostate glands. I got to see pretty much like the butthole from the inside view of it. I got to see the spinal cord from the inside once everything has been cleared out. I got to feel the lungs, which the lungs are the coolest fucking thing to ever feel. Like they just have the cool. Like, like you can just feel the air sacs. Ooh, weird. Uh. It's so cool. It reminds me of like bubble wrap. Like if you just Dude, run your you fingers are, over tiny you were, bubble wrap. You were something else. Let it me was tell you. excellent. Like it just it feels so cool. And he had one completely pop, um, pop, 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 pop. Yeah. <laughs> He had one completely deflated lung, and so the difference, being able to feel the difference between the deflated lung versus the health, quote-unquote healthy lung, there's a big difference. But so after you get in there and you take all the – and they take every piece out individually, you know, every – you know, the bowels, the intestines, they take – 
the lungs. They the hollow heart, it out pretty much. Um, gallbladder. Well, like if you're looking you at have, the spine, kidneys, I would assume everything. Yeah, and it's out. It's gone. Every they take everything out and they take cross sections and cuts of everything. Like they cross section out the brain. They cross section out. Christ. You know, they cut through the lungs. They cut through everything. And they take pieces that they keep and then they the rest they just put in a big biohazard bag that we usually keep like between the corpse's legs. You're like a butcher. So we toss everything that we don't use into this big bio bag. Once everything is said and done, everything has been taken out and and we're we're done. You close up that bio bag and you actually stuff the bio bag back into. The stomach. The stomach cavity. Back into where you just removed everything. You stick all the parts back in yeah, the bag inside there. Yeah. Pop the rib cage back Makes on top. Makes sense. And sew the body up. Otherwise, the body is completely hollowed. And so you the don't just dump it in. in. You keep the plastic in You keep in it there? all together. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And you put it all back in. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, that makes sense. Because it does because otherwise it's, their it's body. completely folded in on itself. And you it looks hollow. And it looks like nothing's there. And it looks completely alien. Weird. And really weird. So you have to like like mash it to so like you pretty fit. much have to make it look yeah, yeah. Oh, we had to too. He yeah. had, I, to me he actually looked a little bit fatter afterwards. Huh. Which is uncommon. Wow. But I watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Brittany. I've, I've watched so many documentaries. Guys, and, you're and hearing things, it here never... first. We you got your live autopsy practically right here. Absolutely incredible where, experience. Where are you gonna hear that? Are you going to hear that on any other podcast? I probably, probably would not. think not. Probably not. So thank you, dude. So since I'm going to be pursuing this, you'll probably hear a lot more about it in the future. Well, so. I'm not even going to talk about what happened to me this week because clearly it, it pales in comparison. <laughs> but I will say that there is one thing that we have been doing recently that you know about. We actually have a brand new uh, group that we're doing on Facebook, and it's just it's something that... We're really trying to grab on to some of the biggest horror nerds. And a lot of you that are listening now, probably who follow our page or our Twitter or whatever, probably already know about it. But we have a page called Do You Love Horror? And this is a very non-egotistical thing. It's really just about like, we love horror. We want creators. We want people who are just horror fans, people who just like to talk about horror in general to join up. So we will provide a link below if you guys want to join up on Facebook and you are on Facebook. So far, we've gotten quite a fucking It's group. been pretty well received. Yeah, Which like I'm very surprised. And, and I'm I'm actually in like another horror group too that a, another friend. I'm in like started, seven. But I feel like this one's gained more traction in a shorter period of time. And so people really talk about it. Like they the do. thing I love about it is like people will I because I I may I wanted to make it a point when we started this group. Like, hey, there are other groups that you can just post memes in and not yeah, care. Please don't do it in this one. But. Like, I don't mind memes. I don't mind memes. Fuck off with your but gifs. Don't, but like, gifs, let's like really have a conversation here. And that's what I really wanted to kind of like push. Right. And I was like, it's cool if you are in a fucking podcast or whatever it is that you're doing. If you're a filmmaker, if you're a book writer or whatever it is. But don't just fucking spit out like, hey, here's a fucking sticker and you slap it across our group and then just walk away. Like if right. you, if that's what you want to do, then you're not a part of the group that we want to be a part of. Like, this is what we want to do. We want to have people that want to have conversations to instigate some sort of like horror communication with everybody. So, and so far I think it really has been pretty well received. Right. So if you guys want to join up, you're more than welcome to, it's called, do you love horror question mark on Facebook? And we'll post a link below. So if you want to join up, please do. Because <laughs> we want 
horror to thrive. So exactly. if you are interested in horror and you really truly are a fan and you really want to be a part of it, we do a lot of different things and we're open to suggestions too. So if you're interested, please do follow us at do you love horror question mark on it. Facebook. Click the link below. So, bing, 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 bing. But I think it might be that time, Brittany. Oh, shit. Horror shots! All right, guys. So we are back and we're going to be doing a special horror shot for you this week. And it is actually an ode to cannibals and... More in particular, probably Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Um, and we're watching two movies this week, and that's why it's called Cannibal Inferno. And it might even be called, like, uh, The Autopsy of Cannibal... Uh, the Autopsy of a Cannibal Inferno. Yeah, right. Like, I want to come up with some sort of disco song, but don't hold me to it, guys, just, just yet. that's not staying alive. Yeah. We're not trying to stay alive in here, apparently. Pop, pop, pop. That's perfect. <laughs> so if you guys are familiar with Cannibal Holocaust, one of the most iconic scenes that was not real uh, looks like a girl being impaled from vagina to mouth and the spike goes directly up through her like a shish kebab. Mm-hmm. Which is excellent how they actually did that. It, yeah. And like she was so into it. The like practical. Yeah. They the director actually made comments about how insanely still, calm that she was about yeah. the entire filming of that. Right. Of that Don't scene. say how they did it yet. I won't. We'll get into we'll get into that in the flesh and potatoes. Yes. Um, it's but glorious. We decided that we were going to call this shot. I, I We had two names and I'll tell you the first one. First one was Cannibal Smiles, which is pretty tame. It's pussy. I think for us. Yeah. Uh, and then the one that I was like rooting for and Brittany was all about too was Chick on a Stick. <laughs> Shishka tits. Shishka oh my God. Tits. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just thought of that and I was like, holy fuck, that's good. I got to say it. Shishka tits. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> I mean, it's the side Woo. name. It's the like. <laughs> Chick it's- on a Stick, a.k.a. Brittany, Shisk it's not kids. the preferred nomenclature. So, it's, it's my preferred. <laughs> it's so it's funny. It's so good. Dude. It's just like just like the titty milk, and we didn't want to call it so, titty milk, but so it still in, got called titty yeah, milk. Yeah, in caps or whatever the fuck, I'll put it like <laughs> shishka tits. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> shishka tits. But it's called chick on a stick, <laughs> which is still good, but shishka tits <laughs> is pretty tits. awesome. God damn it. <laughs> and thank God for Brittany being a female on the show, because I would not get away with that. <laughs> You're welcome. If you're a feminist, uh, yeah. Sorry, like I, I that's how we are, and it's like that's why I say it's like I know so many females that are so fucking <laughs> fucked up, like you. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, to give you an idea what we're going to be doing with this shot, it's a special shot. It's just a bunch of bad decisions. Yeah, it is a bad decision, but that's what horror shots is all about. Like, that and bottle's by, really pretty, though. By the way, guys, if you ever do a horror shot. And you were of age. Record it. Record it. Tell us about it. We Tell had us. one person do Especially that. If you're hot. <laughs> yeah, which well, you're I mean, all if you're not hot. hot. I don't care. Well, you're all personally. Hot to me. If you're listening to us, you're all fucking hot. Pretty much. You're fucking gorgeous, sexy beast. Yeah, we touch like our male, too. female, dog, whatever. <laughs> dog, please ferret. Don't get, don't get your dogs drunk. <laughs> don't and do it. Don't fuck dolls. Oh, well, and- I mean, you can't fuck dolls, but. <laughs> I don't want to see it unless it's a cool doll and then I'm interested. 
But don't hurt your fucking animals or I will find you and destroy you. So now I want to give a little bit of a shout out to Patrick. Patrick. Because, because he did donate towards this because it is his alcohol that he left for the show because he wanted to make sure we had really good choices. Choices. So Patrick gave us this thing called Three Amigos, which is essentially a liqueur. It's a tequila liqueur. It's a tequila liqueur, which is odd because it looks like whiskey. It smells and like whiskey. And it's 100% blue agave tequila and the best ingre- ingredients available, which is like... Dog. Yeah, like what the fuck is that? <laughs> dog like dog piss. tallow? <laughs> dog tail. <laughs> Um, so we're going to be doing that. It's basically blue agave tequila. If you got something close to it, if you have three amigos, just, you're amazing. Yeah. Three amigos is excellent. Otherwise, just use a, just use a fucking tequila. So you're essentially going to pour a half a shot of the tequila. I'm going to die, guys. I'm going to fight Alex. <laughs> then we got amaretto liqueur. You're going to pour Woo-hoo! almost a half a shot. So if you go to a legit as fuck Italian restaurant, they will give you free shots of amaretto at the end of your dinner. Really? They will. At least the one that we go to. Well, that is a very Italian thing, I guess. It's a beautiful thing. Then, to spruce it up, and just for the sake of color, we put in some grenadine. grenadine. One of the top ingredients on the BTV. It's just for the that perfect little spritz of, yeah. uh, of fresh blood from mouth to right. anus. R- well, it could be vagina. I'm pretty sure Let's it's Let's be anus. honest. It looks like <laughs> anus to me. Oh, yeah. She was sitting, huh? Mm-hmm. It's pretty comfy. They look comfy. I'm like, I'd sit on that. I'd sit on that pole. <laughs> Sorry, mouse. <laughs> well, some poles are longer than others. Oh, he's and, not. And the one in this movie is way longer. He's than not any. lacking in that department. Well, but yeah, but if let his me pole just. Was that long? I'd be screaming. Yeah, that's like insanely away. big. I'd be like, don't even think about touching <laughs> me with that. No, thank you. All right, guys. So here we go. Here's the shot. These shot glasses are adorable, by the way. They're little fucking shot shotgun casings. So what do we? Cheers. Should we have some cool thing that we? Should... We can't talk about the the alternative name because I will spit it all. How about we room. just like have really uh, insidious smiles towards? How about each other? we? How about we cheers to the corpse I cut up this past? Yeah. Weekend. Hey, here's to thanks, uh, dead guy. Eating flesh. Here's to that dead guy that I dead cut guy. up this weekend. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Oh, that was weird. <coughs> that was a bad choice. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. It what started is... out like really really rough, but then got really sweet, but like too sweet. It's too sweet. Yeah, it's almost like we didn't even drink anything at all. Interesting. But that's kinda... I've never had three amigos, so I don't fucking know. I'm gonna feel that later. Ugh. I'm going to come home and puke on my husband. It's going to be great. Yeah, just puke all over his large log. (laughs) I'm going to puke all over your big old dick. (laughs) All right, guys. So that's it for the horse shots. Horse shots. Scalpel. Forceps. Prosthetic. Something. Butthole. (laughs) Foreskin. Foreskin. Poop hole. It's the fucking news. Here is the fucking news. All right, guys, we are back for the news and we have some pretty interesting stuff. Like we have quite a few things that we want to bring up. We usually do about five and just kind of like run with it. But 
Something that was exploding all over the internet's face and back was... Boy just discovering his wiener for the first time. It was glorious. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's next film will explore one of the most infamous murders of all time. And that is the Charlie Manson murders, which he didn't really even lay a finger, but Sharon Tate... He's actually one of the only convicted murderers that's never actually killed killed anybody. anybody. He just used his mind. He's orchestrated the entire thing. Yeah, he used his mind. He was just so great about brainwashing other people to commit the murders for him. So crazy, (laughs) man. And you know, he used to be actually a fucking uh, music writer. Him and one of the guys from the Beach Boys fucking... insane. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino has decided that, you know, he's tackled Hitler... He's tackled slavery. He's tackled fucking reservoir dogs. <laughs> and that doesn't really matter. But no. now he's going to tackle Charlie Manson. So sources tell Variety, which is where we're reading this from, that Tarantino's upcoming movie, which the filmmaker has already written and will direct, will focus on the Manson family murders. Insiders close to the project indicate that while no one is attached or has read for a part yet, Tarantino ex- is expected to court a A-list talent. Of course, he always does. Margot Roby. Margot. Margot? It's Margot. 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 Maggot. It's Margot. Okay. <laughs> All right. Margot Roby and Jennifer Lawrence are being considered for the J-Law. role of Sharon Taint. Tate. I said that. You said Taint. <laughs> it was fantastic well her husband was a rapist it was great i'm though. sorry it's horrible <laughs> it was a child rapist whatever oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little drunk here at the btv and brad pitt <laughs> may be approached to play vincent bugliasi the lawyer who prosecuted the family the tragedy occurred on August 8th, 1969, when the cult leader Charles Manson, an unemployed convict and musician, failed musician, failed musician yeah, ordered a group of his followers to attack the guests of a house in Los Angeles, Benedict Canyon. The followers brutally murdered everyone at the home, including Tate, who was eight months pregnant at the time. And that is insanely brutal. And guys, if you've been listening to us for a while, we talked about this murder in depth with our rosemary's baby we did pregnant horror i forget what it was called exactly but it was a really good episode though like we talked about sharon tate well, yeah, you did it inside too right which is fucking insane it was yeah that's right Ooh. yeah it was um nuts that uh is a crazy story and i almost feel like if you look at like some of quentin tarantino's other movies like um inglorious bastards which i hated is that what is he gonna turn it into I hated that fucking movie. And really? I, I, I didn't I, mind it. I feel like at first I didn't feel like I was alone in my stance of not liking that film. But now I feel like I am. And maybe I maybe I just need to rewatch it again. I like it. And kind of try and give it a, a, another go. But I mean, there's characters that I love sure. in the film. Oh, yeah. And I just and the story is meh. any Tarantino film. He just. He's a fucking fantastic casting person. Like his, his oh, casting yeah. people are amazing. Music, you know, the like, music's great. That. The cast is always great. You know, the the dialogue is pretty pretty great all the time. And that you know, the, there's little jokes in there that are good. There's bits that are always funny. The violence is good. Like there's always a. It's always solid. Right. It's just that that was my least favorite film, and I feel like it was probably because they were comparing it so heavily to being the next Pulp Fiction. That's what pissed me off because it's nowhere. 
near the same level or capacity as Pulp Fiction was as a film. Pulp Fiction is a fucking classic. Everybody knows Pulp Fiction. Everybody loves Pulp Fiction. You know, if you don't, I, I really question your taste. They compared it to, you know, his next big film. I hope it's good Pulp because Fiction. I'm like open to it. I've heard some of my friends or people that I know that are like, oh, he's like the SJW leader. And I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like just because he's tackling subjects that nobody else does, that I've, makes him an SJW person. And, yeah. And reading a lot of reviews of people saying that he's the worst person that could be directing this film or or whatever. I, I don't I don't feel that way. I don't think so either. I'm kind of open to it. I'm like, I, think, uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a new territory it's it's touchy to be doing a true crime yeah it's very touchy because it's like you don't want to be disrespectful right so he's got to be like factual but in the same respect he's got to be theatrical right so it's like uh, this is gonna be very different for anything that he's done yeah you know this is this is true crime this happened you know this right you can't can't, spice it up no there's no spicing to be done there's no fabricating to be done you have to take the story that was given to you and you gotta run with it and you gotta do it differently than anyone else has ever done it and that's where i think he's gonna be great because he's gonna be able to put a little bit of a different spin on it and make it more interesting to people you know in in our age ranges or and make it interesting to people that don't know or don't follow that story so heavily because i mean it's it's, almost been lost by now yeah it's been coming back more recently because of the questions of letting him out of jail and and things like that compassionate release and and things of that nature because he's dying you know and so it makes it a little bit more um relevant to today yeah i mean i have mixed i have mixed feelings about the whole thing to be honest i don't want anybody innocent to get hurt but still like of course but i just just... it makes you wonder because it's like if you know that you're dying like fuck you're gonna go out in a fucking blaze of glory that's what i'm saying like light it up motherfuckers i'd go and actually commit a goddamn crime like he's the one that he never got he was never committed of actually doing he never put his hands on anybody yeah like fuck it right that's what i'm saying like i'm gonna go fucking kill someone like whatever i'm gonna die anyway because i'm old and i have cancer but whatever i just i hope that either margaret roby or jennifer lawrence is cast because i masturbate to both those ladies on a regular (laughs) so and other news sorry mouse (laughs) there is uh another new short from fucking oats studios neil blancamp uh camp the neil blancamp camp blancamp camp (laughs) if you guys don't know who he is he's the fucking district nine guy elysium guy he's fucking pretty amazing with fucking cgi and special effects like practical even uh they came up with a new short called zygote and i'll be honest man like the creature in this is fucking amazing so if you guys haven't seen that there is a link down below and there's always a link down below for any of this stuff that we talk about on horror amino on do you love horror and any of the other places that we post our stuff. So make sure you check that out. Also, there's another trailer out that is looking pretty fucking amazing, guys. Like Devil's Gate trailer is out and it looks fucking amazing. Originally, this movie was called Abduction and it's called Devil's Gate. It is just the right amount of fucking practical effects that make you go, ooh, this is nice. And it looks like it's a little bit of a weird cast as far as like who's involved, but I'm okay with it. I think it's looking pretty good and that's going to be coming out soon. They haven't announced a date yet. So also, uh, Ghoulie News, a website that is dedicated strictly to the movies Ghoulies, G-H-O-U-L-I-E-S. 
which we need to do, Brittany. I'm telling you. Apparently, not long ago, there was talk about a Ghoulies 2 media book. And apparently, they're going to be releasing a German version of the fully uncut Ghoulies 2, which is a huge deal. Like, there's been an uncut that no one's ever seen. And, well, some people have seen, but it's going to be released on Blu-ray in German. And I'm kind of curious if it's going to be region-free or not. Hmm. So it doesn't really say. It just said, I just confirmed that all the footage I sent them and more is included in the Ghoulies 2 Blu-ray, which hits streets tomorrow. And this was just this week, this past week. I urge you all to find a copy of this limited edition version. Once word gets out, they'll be gone, gone, gone. Oh, for sure. So if you guys are interested and you have, uh, I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's region free or not, but I'm, I'm almost kind of tempted to buy it. I, I think they should have a whole set and it would be nice to have this and then replace the disc for whatever set they end up doing. Yeah, you're pretty passionate about it, so I would suggest I like it. buying it. Uh, another really cool thing that we found out about, brand new shirts from Cavity Colors. Woo-woo. Um, Cavity Colors is putting out The Void. They have two different shirts and an extra pin. They've got two new, I mean, really super kick-ass shirts for The Void. If you're a fan of The Void, you better fucking get on this because honestly, by the time I'm telling you this on a Monday, it might be, gone. It might be fucking gone. And we're recording this on a Thursday night, so. They're incredible. Don't they are really good. They are fan-fucking-tastic. Beautiful. I couldn't decide on it. The is incredible. I couldn't decide on what I wanted. Christina was like, all right, we'll get the. We'll get two for you, and I'm picking one for me because I know which one I want. I, I need to surprise Mouse and get him one. They're fucking oh, beautiful, man. I don't wear t-shirts because I'm a lady and I have giant titties. And look real fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> boobies, big old boobies look weird in t-shirts. Big old titties. Them tickled bitties look yeah. real weird in that t-shirt. Hell yeah. So I'm like, that ain't gonna work for me. <laughs> in other news... <laughs> In other crazy That's news, tequila. Jesus Christ, Frank Darabont, who used to be like the season front runner for fucking directors and producers and all this other shit, apparently just came out and was talking about a lot of the issues that he had on The Walking Dead. He sent out a lot of fucking crazy emails <laughs> under a lot of stress and extraordinary crisis, as he calls it. I'm going to read a few of these things. I love when people lose their shit. It is fucking gold. And guys, <laughs> keep in mind, first of all, like when you make a movie or do anything as stressful as something like a movie you're gonna fucking argue you're gonna say shit that you don't mean it's because you are have this unbridled passion for whatever it is that you're doing and when shit doesn't work out you fucking fly off the handle because it means that much to you absolutely so take this with a grain of salt, enjoy it for what it is, and know that Frank Darabont is owning up to it. So there's no reason to SJW his it. ass into right. the fucking oblivion. Because um, <laughs> if you guys didn't know, he got fired from The Walking Dead. And it's been this like bitter thing, and they've really talked about it. Frank Darabont says, I will start killing people and throwing bodies out the door. Fuck. <laughs> Are you reading some of these right now? Yeah. yeah. Darabont, who co-created the blockbuster cable hit The Walking Dead, was fired as a showrunner from the series 
early in his second season. So he didn't even get to star in the or do anything with the second season. He and his CAA team are suing AMC, claiming the network squeezed him out of tens of millions of dollars in profits by negotiating a sweetheart licensing deal with itself. In its defense, AMC has released a cachet of shocking emails by the Shawshank Redemption writer-director and misdirector, which is pretty crazy. First of all, if you read through these, some of these are pretty funny, in my opinion. They're trying to leak it to fucking basically win the court case against Frank Darabont, which it's like, dude, like anybody. Oh, this is damning fucking shit. It is pretty damning. It's damning. Anybody that works on a set knows that not everything's peaches and cream. He's not wrong. No. The failings of the show, writing staff and crew, and in particular, the camera operators are a repeated theme on these rants. So in the email, he singles out a pair of writers as fucking lazy assholes (laughs) and overpaid con artists, he calls, quote, unquote. Oh my God. And receiving what he felt was woefully a subpar script from a pair of writers, Darabont tells the execs, quote, if it were up to me, I'd have not only fired them, I'd hunted them down and fucking killed them with a brick, (laughs) then gone and burned down their fucking houses. Well, actually, I paraphrase that and burned down their homes is what he said. (laughs) End quote. Then he says, quote, I told those assholes at least a half a dozen times. Why don't they listen when I tell them to the way to do it? It's in one ear and out the other. It's almost as if they're intentionally telling me to fuck myself. Like I'm reading this like how I would think he would say it. End quote. But it gets pretty more. It gets a lot more heated. But telling somebody that you're going to bust a brick on their head and burn down their yeah that's a little that's a little far when i fucking read this shit i was fucking losing it i i, I love how he uh how he ends this he sends this <laughs> the group another email the next day after this one that's like just ripping them fucking apart and he well like, he was he pissed calmly off. explains his fucking boiling rage state and it's fantastic what is he oh, go ahead it says i'm in a state of absolute boiling rage right now it begins i have never been a screamer but i am now You've turned me into a raging asshole. Thanks a lot, you fuckers. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, and I get it because he's just completely pissed off. Like there's this whole section about how he's like screaming at them to pay attention to his fucking scripts. How he even chooses his commas for a reason. <laughs> and they're he's talking about how they're basically just completely avoiding his direction and his script his script direction of how he wants this shot filmed or how he wants this shot perceived. And they're completely like skipping over it, and then he's hearing people going, "Oh, this is a great fucking shot," and he's like, "Are you fucking blind?" Well, yeah, and you he was telling it. he was telling the cameraman like, "This is not a shaky cam." It's like, why are you fucking instant? We're not. This is an action seizure. thing. It's like a still fucking shot. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do this. And they were like, argue. They weren't doing what he was saying, so he was getting more and more heated and more and more heated because these people are on a timeline. Absolutely, they got to fucking get this shit done. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to excuse his behavior. Not at all. But I'm trying to say like I understand. Like I've been in some pretty passionate situations, writing music, doing the podcast, whatever it may be. And shit happens and it doesn't it's not a personal thing. It's it's a passion thing. But from a creative standpoint, when it's something that is your fucking job to plot this out and plan this out. Listen to the director. He plans his commas for a fucking reason, which is essentially a pause. Right. 
and it's not being followed. That's it's wasting money. Yeah. It's why is he being, why is he doing this? Why is he here? Why is he wasting all of his time? Why is he wasting his money or their money essentially to do this when they're not going to listen to his direction? Right. You know, I mean, and I, again, I, I get it. I'm not excusing it. I'm not condoning no, no, his no. fucking behavior by any means, but cause you know, telling people you're going to hunt them down, kill them with a brick, brick and, and burn, burn their down. houses. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> But I mean, I've said some fucking shit. I have too, but you have to be careful when in a work environment. And especially now, because everything's on fucking text form or recorded form, and that shit can come back and bite you in the fucking ass. Yeah, they're definitely trying to use it against them. That's Oh, for sure. They want to win that court case. And they will. Probably. I mean, they got so much money. They got so many great lawyers, you know. They can afford... But I've always wondered what happened with that whole fucking The Walking Dead thing, because every time anybody asks him about it, he's like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. Like, he's like angry. And I don't I mean, yeah, I guess we know now. Fucking pissed. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, that's it for the news. All right, guys. So now it's time for us to delve deep. Into the flesh. Balls deep. And potatoes. Of cannibals. (laughs) In the cannibal inferno. (laughs) Right now. Guys, so we're back and we're going to jump into the flesh and potatoes of Cannibal Inferno, two cannibal movies of many cannibal movies that are something that Britney picked, actually. Yes. Which we were literally going to pick right before. And it's so funny that she picked it. But we're going to be talking about Green Inferno by Eli Roth. And we're also going to be talking about the infamous Cannibal Cannibal Holocaust, Holocaust. otherwise known as Kill Dead Animals or Kill Animals Dead. Pretty much. Uh, He's known as Heartbreak Fucking City. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It's the worst. (laughs) But first, we're going to go ahead and kick it off. And guys, by the way, this episode is going to be a little extra long, so we can give you a little extra for the week. So if you need to pause it or something like that and come back, we totally understand. That's why we're making this one a little bit longer. Plus, we can't shut the fuck up, so it works out. Because it's a special week. It's a special week. But we'll go ahead and we'll kick it off with the first movie, which is Eli Ross Green, Green Inferno. Inferno. And that one came out in 2013. Now, the story is a group of student activists travels to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover that they are not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. Ooh. Such a fucking whiny millennial it's, way to yeah. explain a fucking story. Well, it is a very millennial movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely was. <laughs> it really was. Like He really tried to take like what was prevalent in that time frame and like really like fuck our face with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's it worked and it didn't work. It was so, a little overwhelming. At it times. was overwhelming. But director Eli Roth comes back. If you have not heard of Eli Roth, he did Cabin Fever, which blew up into many other films that he did another movie that he did was uh he's done a lot of different ones hostile he's done 
Uh, that was a big one. I feel uh, like Hostel's probably his biggest film. Probably. As, like, as far as directing standpoint. It's like it's Saul. most known for. Yeah. And then he did Aftershock. He did Knock Knock, I believe. He did. Yeah. You're and uh, quite a few others. But you probably already know who he is. He also helped write this story with his buddy, Guillermo Amoedo. I believe I'm saying his name right, but it could be <laughs> Amodo. I don't know. But Amoedo, who worked on Knock Knock with him and Aftershock, which was just the earthquake horror movie as well with Eli so he they both work together in a lot of shit uh it stars Lorenza Iso who she was in Knock Knock mm -hmm. and I was like when I was watching the movie I was like god I fucking know her like how do I know her from what is she from and then I realized oh she's in Knock Knock she mm -hmm. was one of the fucking chicks that was like raping and and setting him up yeah to be a fucking is, does she star in aftershock also yeah she was yeah. in aftershock as well and she did a movie called sex ed which was kind of like a comedy yeah sort of i feel like that's in my netflix queue and then uh the leader of the sort of group is ariel levy who he was in a lot of like hispanic or spanish-speaking films he was in the movie the stranger which was kind of like a vampire movie it's kind of interesting. I, I I didn't mind. It was an independent flick. Also, and it stars, and I'm just going to name off the top three that like really stuck out for me, and that is Daryl Sabara, who he was like the, the white-looking kid that was in Machete, who <laughs> yeah. was like Hispanic, but they all called him like white boy or some shit like that. Yeah, and then, oh <clears> my <throat> God, what's his name? Isn't it too... He's in Spy Kids. He's the little boy in the Spy Kids. Oh, story. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I never watched that. The, so. the curly blonde hair kid. That's like, a Robert uh, Rodriguez film, too. Ripped into pieces. Right. He's the one that gets attacked, you know, by the whole mob of the cannibals. Oh. That's that, the kid from Spy Kids. <laughs> that's Daryl Sabara, right? Is that him? Yeah. I'm so pissed. He's the red haired kid, actor. right? Yeah, it's like a mm -hmm. reddish, blondish, like curly hair. Right. Yeah. Right. I always remembered him from Machete. Oh, you're right. Because he was like kid that worked in the shop that was friends with the girl that was like didn't have the papers. Mm. And then the they had the taco shop that was like right outside or whatever. Yeah, just my niece and nephew were like mm. super into spy kids. So when I watched the movie, I was That's like, That's crazy. The kid from spy kids. What the fuck? He he was really recognizable. I thought he was decent in the movie. He played kind of a, you know, kind of a, I don't know. He didn't play the machete style character, that's for <laughs> sure. And he was also in Halloween, the, the remake. Oh, yeah. Apparently. And I, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember him in there either. I haven't seen it in a while, so I'd probably have to watch it. I'll be like, oh, there he is. Which is, I'm totally okay with rehashing that shit. A lot of the characters <laughs> that were in this movie, though, were in the movie Aftershock, which came out in 2012 as well, right before this one. And it was basically co-written by Eli Roth as well. So now this movie had a budget of about $5 million and it made $12.7 million at the box office, which is pretty impressive. I didn't think it would have made that much. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not as good as it maybe I mean, hoped it would be. Do you Do you personally feel that the delay in the release of this film hurt or helped? I think it helped. I think it hurt it. I think it helped. I don't think I'm surprised that it did as well as it did. I quite on, I honestly think that the delay in the film hurt it more than it helped it. Maybe. Because they once they found out the reality behind why the film was actually delayed by being right. released, it kind of killed the buzz a little bit about it. And I know personally for me, I'd already been waiting for almost a year, maybe longer for this film to be released. And then it gets pushed back another six months to a year before it's actually right. released. And I'm just. Which so is like the death curse. Out, by the time it came out, I'm fucking over it. 
Right. I don't care anymore at this point. And then I waited another couple months after it was released to actually watch it. I was excited to see this new take on it, you know, right. but with the like who else would have done it that we're in now, you know, and right. then the point that we're in now and see where they could take the story and elevate it and then take the effects to a new level. And it's not a remake by any means of Cannibal Holocaust. It's just very, very severely derived from that story point. Mm hmm. And they kind of take it in a little bit of a different direction, but it's essentially the same movie. Yeah, it is. It is definitely is. I've got some thoughts on it, but do you want to go first? Let's do you hear want them. me? No, I want you to go first. All right, lead the way, sir. So I tried to write a, a quite a few of these things down, but <laughs> in my opinion, the movie is fucking stupid, silly. It's like absolutely agree. It's like it was trying to be shocking, but it ended up farting instead which is how hostile 2 was for me kind of i it's, i i think hostile 2 is probably more believable no i don't acting so. wise direction wise but this one i don't know i was just wasn't even sure whether or not it was intentional or not that i was supposed to be laughing there are too many parts that were just thrown in there that i felt were unnecessary it just didn't feel right it felt Absolutely. synthetic yeah it felt forced and it felt obviously like that was this was like a last minute written decision into the script and it felt like they're reaching for something to tie the audience back into the story because they felt like the audience is getting lost and so they're like oh let's throw in a stupid joke about a chick shitting herself in this fucking cage yeah because that's the fucking alchemy like, that you need to do we can't get past fucking fart and shit jokes we yeah. just, as a society we can't get past it and as i've said previously if you don't find farts hilarious you can't be trusted well and that's but the thing it took 40 fucking minutes to, to get, get to the all the way yeah it really did movie. and it, there was a lot of really cringy fucking like oh we're doing this for the good of whatever and like some of the dialogue between the main leader and her were ugh, really well, the, cringy it, the scene is pretty intense as far as like you know when she's almost killed for the sake of her cause right essentially and that scene is is actually pretty brilliantly filmed. Oh, it's a great it's idea. Very it's good on paper. Absolutely. It's it's a very intense scene and however I felt like it fell flat. Like it's I think it was like it was necessary the steps that they took, but it wasn't executed well. Absolutely. That's what I felt like. The movie like my Like issue... it made sense what they were doing. Like they totally needed to do what they did. Right. And it, it was tolerable, but it was done in like a like a shitty way. Absolutely. I don't know it felt like a it. shitty frat film. I don't know. I just, I, the first 40, 40, 45 minutes of it is just this stupid way to kind of explain how they got to where they were. And I felt like they could have summed that up very quickly. Right. When you look at other films that go along the same type of a storyline, they get to that point quickly in yeah. the story for the most part i was a little surprised that it took his 40 minutes to That's get a into long it fucking time and, and it makes sense in a way because the movie is like an hour and a half or whatever you know and right, so they were trying to do fuck, two parts man. like like cannibal holocaust so they were trying to pay a little bit of an homage to that and i kind of like that they tried they, to build characters a little bit <laughs> but it just it just felt so synthetic it didn't Absolutely. feel right nothing felt realistic about it and, and it just it was too forced and then when it finally gets there i fucking seriously laughed laughed out loud so many fucking times and one of the biggest infractions of this sort of homage nobody was naked <laughs> which is a serious <laughs> bone killer right there <laughs> well especially in comparison to the other movie you know if you're uh, looking at the two together there's I, anybody that got hard off the first movie you're fucked up <laughs> I mean, well, there's there is a consensual fucking sex. Scene like, there's nothing Canada like Holocaust, attractive but... to the situation, though. No, like <laughs> I, I, that's no. why I make the joke because it really, it's like there's no nudity 
or I wasn't like, ooh, yeah. For an Eli Roth film, I was a little bit surprised. Yeah. In that aspect. I'm like, okay, so, I mean, I, I was actually appreciative because it's one of the things that I, I maybe, I guess, it's, it's as, a, as a woman, mm-hmm. they put too much emphasis into the the nudity of a female body. In the first one? or and, No, just in horror movies in general. Oh, yeah. And I feel like they put too much focus into that. And then there's always these gratuitous fucking rape scenes and all this shit sure. that I feel is completely unnecessary but, a lot of times to a story. So I did kind of appreciate that, I guess, a little bit with this. But in what they're trying to pay respects to, essentially, with making right. this movie, I was just like, mm. well, I mean, and I don't want to get too much <laughs> into comparisons <laughs> till the end. But <laughs> right. th- compared to the this movie was based off of Green Inferno was supposed to be an amalgamation of all the cannibal movies back in that time because i think it was like a two-year span and there was like two three-year span there was like five fucking cannibal movies all of a sudden it was like the hot new thing yeah i mean 1980 you had cannibal holocaust and then immediately after 1981 you had and then oh uh, actually pharaoh or what is it let them die slowly jungle holocaust was like 77 eaten alive was like 79 it was within a span of five to six years is when all these movies just fucking exploded Right. You know, and then they had several quote unquote sequels. Sequels, right, yeah. You know, that came out afterwards that are all unofficial. Oh, totally. Yeah, and they weren't like, just, yeah. It was just a, a, it was a very big thing in that time frame. Well, the, I think the thing that really caught me off guard about this movie in particular is that the acting kind of bothered me for the most part. Mm-hmm. It was kind of ridiculous. And some of the scenes that should have like impacted me in like a... <gasps> moment right. kind of made me just like crack up absolutely and so and it kind of like took me out of it like whereas like the movie that it's predominantly basing itself off of was a little bit more serious absolutely this is this is a consistent issue that i run into with eli roth films though right yeah is that it and i under, i understand where he's coming from because in a sense this appeals to more people for a mass audience to come in to view his movies if he throws in this little bit of a like comedic right relief it's like, you thank know, God, I can just laugh. A or... lot of people just can't handle and his his movies are gratuitous violence. It's gratuitous sure. gore. It's a lot for people to handle. And I feel like even though we are a completely desensitized society these days where, you know, we look at films like Cannibal Holocaust now and go, that's fucking ridiculous. There's nothing even violent about this in, in certain scenes. Sure. And then you take green inferno and you compare the two and you just just the kill scenes of the humans in the right. comparison and you go that's night and day difference you know what i think it is for me is that we haven't done this together yet but we do the grave plots next week and we yeah next week we're going to be doing grave plots uh but it's like be nice to me my first time doing that guys he has like <laughs> really cool parts that he writes down on paper mm-hmm. but the pieces that fit them together, like the, the the subtle nuance and the subtle, like believable sort of feel to it in between those cool moments are really shit. Right. And I hate to he say it like brain. that. It and feels it- like it doesn't tie it together really well. And I'm not saying that all of his movies are like that, but a yeah. lot of them really struggle in that area. I, like sometimes he lands luck. He lands it he like lucky. Lands yeah. It. But sometimes most of the time it's like 80% of the time you're just like, Oh, thank God something else happened. Like, we're on to the next part. Right. And another interesting uh, point that you and I were actually discussing was um, how surprised we were that this film was as well received as it was among a lot of people. And I felt like when this movie was first released, I felt like I had, I experienced more of a negative viewpoint. Right. um, On the film 
And I viewed it in a negative way also. But I I didn't pay attention to any reviews or anything from any other people or outside sources before I watched it myself. And then after I I watched it myself, formulated my own opinion, and then went and looked at other reviews that people did and was finding myself agreeing with a lot of the things people were saying. I would come, you know, to a – it was a common agreement among every reviewer for the same things and then issues among the same issues as well and now going back again researching it before we did you know our episode here i'm finding some more positive reviews and i'm scratching my head going why did this change yeah it is weird it's it's kind of like and why did this change because i don't view it any differently now versus when i first saw it when it came out in 2013 i think as a whole it's not a great movie no it's it's an okay movie it's a great idea just not executed well yeah there's some cool beats that they hit that i'm like oh yeah Oh, yeah. But there was a lot of shit in between that just made it go, what? Like, and then I was like laughing. And then I was like, oh my God, they did not do that. Yeah. And I, I'm trying not to spoil it for you guys. We're still trying to save some of the spoilers for the end uh, and maybe some of the trivia a little bit, you I know. F- but I felt like they opened too strongly with the interaction with the cannibal tribe and the quote-unquote victims i felt like they opened too strongly with that first scene of the interaction between them all together right and they uh jumped the shark essentially yeah. you know what that term comes from by the way i've i've heard I a couple just of read about this this is so funny <laughs> comes- happy days do you remember that show yeah. well fonzie jumps a shark in happy days hey, and that's sorry. why they call it jumping the shark makes sense and it's a great, Isn't that crazy it's a great comparison to use for when movies or film do that i love shit like that like i'm like why do we say the things that we do yeah. but it all makes Hang sense on, how did this analogy <laughs> come to be like <laughs> but yeah like I, I i really feel like as a whole this movie is kind of lacking in a lot of ways there are really good parts to it mm-hmm. pretty much like a five or a six for me for the most part, there's some really cool stuff in it that really blows it up. But everything getting to those points is so cringy. It takes too long to build to what everybody is tuning in for, which is the scenes and the interaction between them and this quote unquote cannibalistic tribe that they're supposed to be dealing with. Right. And it's a 40, 45 minute process into <sighs> building up to that point. By the time you get there, you're just exhausted in this bullshit that they're spieling out to you to yeah. be able to be interested in the story and it's so and preachy they, sometimes extremely and then they start off with this bang fucking scene and then you're like holy fuck like yeah like that yes. just set a fucking tone like that yeah. was insanely fantastic and they never match it but even even still even then those like that moment where it kicks in it it some of those moments i was felt like i got pulled out of it a little bit all right oh yeah one, I didn't give a fuck about the characters Absolutely so much. Absolutely not. Um, the main girl is probably like the, the best. He was probably the worst one for them to pick. I understand why they picked him. Right. Because of his size and sheer body mass for the character. So it, it kind of plays to this whole thing to them of where they're going to keep them alive and torment them for a while longer. Right. Because he's going to feed the tribe for a longer period of time than they will. Right. So this is why they it all symbiotically makes sense. choose like, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I understand exactly that the story they're trying to portray or what they're trying to do at that point. But I feel like if they would have picked one of the women first. Like the girl, the new one. To do that with. Yeah. Or like the vegan girl or whatever. Right, like, okay. It probably would have had a little bit of a stronger impact to the audience. If you look at any type of um, of a horror film or anything that tries to take this kind of aspect, you're going to get more of a severe response 
if you kill a chick, especially in such a violent fashion. If you take a woman and you do that to her. Right. It's going to set a completely different tone for a film versus if you just take the, the fatter guy out of the group and you're just like, oh, let's just fucking kill this guy who has no fucking presence at all. <laughs> it's completely un- like he's just, he's a little bit relatable, I guess, because you can see him as being like your friend. The one that's the in love guy. with the main girl. Yeah. they And they take they, the first one that they sacrifice, essentially. And it's right. like that whole beautiful scene with like the lead female, like the quote unquote, I guess, like witch doctor-esque woman. Right. Of the tribe who, speaking from a makeup standpoint of this oh, film. And that's another thing. Holy fuck. Right. Like, there's some really cool, unique style that they put into it. Incredible. I thought it was really awesome. Like, something that the other one didn't have. I don't know that it necessarily needed it, but it was still very cool to look at. It made, yeah. it made the characters stronger on the tribe side. It didn't necessarily need it. And no. I feel like it made it a little bit more stereotypical. Kind of. Um, to how we as perceive it. Americans right. perceive these people to look. Right. And I can see why indigenous people or people who study indigenous people took such an issue with this film. Right. And how they perceive them, especially since there are no active cannibalistic tribes anymore. Supposedly. Anymore, supposedly, or at least that are documented within the region that they filmed. As far as history reports, at least in that region, <clears throat> yeah. there are no cannibalistic tribes that are reported if there were cannibals or anything like that i don't think it's like all they did is exclusively eat people it's i think it was more of like hey this is a necessity it was or, a necessity. or it was like strictly, hey this is how we like fight off the evil spirits it was or, strictly religious practice right yeah it was in order to there are different reasonings behind it in order to bring good crops for the season for them or to bring a good hunting sacrifice season for or them. something yeah it's a it's a blood sacrifice that they would pay to their gods respectively in order to gain favor from them right that's the exact and they didn't want to be wasteful that, exactly and they use everything right you know everything that they would consume it's just like a hunter you know if you go out and you hunt and respectable hunters right. go out there and hunt and they use every single piece of what they kill well just like the natives absolutely natives would be very very that's what they would do that you have to survive the way the best way right. that you can so you, you have respect to use life enough everything. to be able to give it the that Exactly. Sort of care. And I feel like just like there's so many undocumented species of animal right. in this world, there are many undocumented species of man. Probably. In this world. I feel like there are so many, uh, just this tribe that, that Eli Roth discovered, this Peruvian that, that tribe. Even that even still. Yeah, that he came across that is, comp they don't have running water, they don't have fucking electricity, they have nothing. Right. You know, and these people that he came across that have supposedly, according to all the records, have never been documented, never been filmed, never been photographed ever until he came across them. Right, which he How was many probably tickled pink about. How many more tribes are there? You know, yeah, I, I want to believe that that's entirely true. Do I? Part of me doesn't. Yeah. However, it might be just like bullshit. Just it to could get the movie be bullshit on. to you know to boost up the fucking story. It's not right. like that hasn't been done before. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. You know, <laughs> there was a lot that went into that as well. But, oh, that you made know, more sense though. But like, did. I would in not expect time, that in the in this day and age. In this day and age, right? There is some pretty interesting stuff about this movie though behind the scene that I was not expecting. They didn't even know that these people existed. In, in order to better acquaint these tribes people with what a film was, they brought a TV out with the movie Cannibal Holocaust to let them watch it so that they could know what they were trying to do and have them as actors. Right. And they absolutely fucking loved it. And they thought that it was a comedy. The interesting fact behind that is in order for Roth to gain permission from the village to film them, he had to actually explain 
the entire concept of a film or a movie to them broke out these generators broke out this fucking shit box tv and i'm pretty sure it was a vhs probably and, and showed them cannibal holocaust and his he, his reports of their reception to the film were insane to me because they all viewed this as a comedy they yeah. think it's this the most hilarious shit they've ever seen which is appalling to everybody else to all of us we're yeah. just like oh fuck like i mean <laughs> to me i'm like haha i get it like yeah now i watch that film and i'm like this is funny you know right. aside from certain aspects of it i'm just like this is stupid it's you like, know? like untouched country or absolutely untouched territory it's just it's new you know and and for them to think that to watch this movie and be laughing hysterically and think this is a comedy you know but that's what signed them up almost every single person in that tribe signed up to be in the film yeah they were even camera crew in the film they helped on the crew yeah it's insane it's I, like the entire village, that. the entire village was all a part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah they up. were. Ex- it was. This was the hottest thing since Gibby Bublub was like found that fucking huge fish out in the fucking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 like, I just imagine that they're like, you remember when, you, you know, what's his name was fucking like he found that fish, dude. That was like a big deal. This is like 50 times 50 bigger, times dude. Because, <laughs> you know, tribesmen talk like, bro, like totally. that all day. One of the funniest things, though, that I. Got like as soon as I read it, I was like fucking delighted in 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 sick fashion, I guess, was that apparently Eli Ross said that the tribe offered a two year old <laughs> child to the production designer as a sort of it's thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a it for was a including them. And the funny thing I even think that even makes that funnier <laughs> Is that they even went further on to say that the production designer politely declined. Respectfully. Yeah, it's like, what? He respectfully well, no declined. Well, no shit, you fucking weirdo. This two year old tribe child <laughs> as a gift for filming this movie. They're like, and what I, do I do with it? I'm the asshole sitting here going, I want to adopt a kid for so fucking long. Like, if this tribe wants to be like, take my two year old as yeah. an offering, I'd be like, all right, cool. He's got a weird bob. Let cut. me take your weird fucking two year old. <laughs> shape and mold him now i don't need to go through the whole process of adopting a child that's virtually fucking impossible well when you think about somebody handing over a two-year-old child to a bunch of strangers you kind of behind that is a little it's like what is your intentions i don't i really understand i feel like i almost feel like their intentions are please take my child from this maybe and and help them i didn't think about it that way but to me that's that's mine went way darker a little bit how it feels (laughs) i don't know like like i almost feel like we see what you come from and we want you to take our child into what you come from and and let them grow and expand right beyond the means of what we're able to provide to them and if you feel like offering your child yeah it's a big deal that's a big fucking deal yeah it's a it's a form of like that's your seed yeah that's like a big deal i want to give a quick shout out real quick um to the practical effects and makeup work that was done by greg nicotero and howard berger on green inferno for green inferno yeah um because it was most notably the most agreed upon positive review by anyone that actually reviewed and did a decent job of reviewing this film was how incredible the practical effects and the makeup work was and that was one very positive note that i came out of this experience with yeah the work behind it is absolutely almost flawless right 
it's but Greg Nicotero is just and his crew and anyone that he gets behind shit like oh, I would teaches. die to learn from him or work with him. Fuck yeah, dude! He he's, needs to start his own school, right? He's absolutely yeah. That's a school I'd fucking pay for because <laughs> it wouldn't be bullshit. Oh, that's the fucking school that you can't go to. Yeah, unless you fall into. I'm it. gonna fucking just stalk the shit out of him one day and be like, <laughs> just teach me everything. I need to know all the things. Their work on this film is it is pretty good fantastic there was some moments where i was like uh, give me a moment i want to know I'm curious. i don't i don't know like i don't want to ruin it for anybody just yet but if you guys want to close your ears for like four seconds Spoiler alert. earmuffs earmuffs kids. uh when she gets speared in the head like the leader's Mm-mm. girlfriend that part just like bothered me just because of the sheer like it doesn't feel like it's possible for that yeah to happen. i don't know it just didn't feel right i feel like like stab her in the neck stab her in the eye she should have got stabbed in the neck she could have. They could have done it in the eye, though, and she it would have been a, a better. Spear, but I feel like this this spear to the head thing, and I agree with you. It's just weird because it feels it's a weird choice. It feels a little whatever. She, she, if know, they would have like, stabbed her in the eye, it would have been so much better. Yeah, it feels a little. Come on, like is that even a possible thing? But like I explained earlier, I almost feel like that's what they've trained to do. Right. For this entire time so is to be, be that spot powerful. on, to be able to actually be that powerful, to make that fucking dead on of a shot. And I mean, it, I feel like it could be a possibility as much as that's their only weapon. So they're going to be skilled. Like, I completely it just seems, understand it's It just seems doubt. a little too over the top no, for me. No, it's stupid. It's like, it was stupid. If, it was if, unnecessary. Yeah, it is that unnecessary. That bitch was going to die anyway. Yeah. She got a spear completely through her fucking neck. She's going to die. Her jugular is completely fucking eviscerated. She's not going to survive that kind of a setting whatsoever. <laughs> so the the why is there a necessity to the spear through the head? There is not except for a comedic or it um, seems like it was intentionally comedic. It, that's what, it, and that's a lot of the issues. It says it. It doesn't say it's a comedy though. That's not something that they take as part of a comedic relief part for that film. <laughs> that's not a credit part to it. But I feel like that's where they first initiate. Dude, and when he goes, when she, he's like trying to save oh. her life, and then he like she gets stabbed in the head with a spear, and he's like, no, oh, no, no, not believable. <laughs> I'm like what? If that was like, even if I barely knew that person, if I'm tending to this person who just got a spear in the fucking neck, and then all of a sudden I'm trying to comfort her, <gasps> and she gets a spear in the fucking head, my reaction is <laughs> no, like, oh, no. It's gonna be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I'm really? The fuck out. Even if I hated that fucking bitch, no, I'm still gonna have more compassion than no. <laughs> Oh, no, no. You know, you know, another really saying. funny thing about this thing is that apparently there was Christian missionaries <laughs> and they were singing religious songs on their boats. I was boats. hoping you were going to bring this Yeah, up. dude, this is shit's fucking hilarious. hilarious. So as they arrived at the village, they weren't aware that the movie was being filmed at the village and became alarmed when they saw the, all the gory props mm-hmm. and like skeletons and dead bodies so they sang and paled louder. on stakes. Yeah, so they were like singing louder because they saw, thought that it was going to fight off the evil <laughs> of the place that they were in. Silly Christians. <laughs> You're so They're like, silly. what the fuck? Fuck, did we just walk just, in on Jesus? We're just going to sing louder so Jesus can hear it and correct these sins. Did, what did you do, Jesus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But then once they went and actually explained to them what was going on, they calmed the fuck down about it. Right. Which is almost a little bit disheartening in a sense because like as crazy religious as they are and they're going to sing louder and louder and louder with more of these props and shit that they're seeing. And then someone comes and explains to them, oh, this is just a movie that we're going to show to the entire fucking world. They're like, yeah, you're going to have to come back next week to save them. And then they're like, oh, okay. Oh, it's just a movie. Like, that's fine. That's no big deal. No, like, I they're bet not going to protest that at all. But they don't they don't talk about that. They they, they probably want to get the fuck out of there. Dude. Oh, I'm sure. And they're like, I don't want to be a fucking extra in your goddamn film. Like, yeah. Jesus, like, Jesus will not accept me as his Lord. They're like, we're here to whatever. save people. And you guys came here You're before to kill, us. To kill people. Like, we just spent like fourteen hundred dollars each $1, to get here. <laughs> I'm on a mission with my church. Right. This is very important. I'm sorry if you're religious out there. But oh, I mean, whatever. If you're religious, you're probably not listening to the show. Because- and, you, and you know what's funny? After all Ooh. this effort and everything like that, and all this like hoopla and advertising and everything. Hoopla! Sorry. They didn't, the MPAA, the ratings board, didn't even like ask to cut anything. They almost struggled to still give him an R rating. Yeah, that's crazy. It's interesting to me. That, well, that doesn't seem right. No. and But he didn't have to cut anything. Nothing. Anything from that film. Which is probably a sad panda moment for him. That would be a sad panda moment for me right. as a fucking filmmaker. And I'm trying to make this fucking crazy controversial film. And they're just like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, he, he should, I mean, he's I like, guess you can get an R, but I mean, if you cut this one scene, it could be PG-13. He was like, fuck, we should have put the anal rape scene God damn it. I I'm should have so put that in. I'm so fucking over gratuitous rape scenes. I'm so fucking Well, over I just, it. it could have been a male one and it would have made more Even sense. Even male, like, I'm just, I'm so beyond but, that but, shit. But Cannibal Holocaust, that's the yeah, reason I say that. Well, there's there's one solid gratuitous rape scene there's in it. There's two. The, no, the one scene is, uh, it's between the couple. Is it a couple? No, there's. Oh, you're right. I'm there's sorry. There's two you're because correct. there's. You're correct. They find the random with girl the from the tribe. Yeah, you're right. Well, you're right. there's three, technically, then. Well, the one. Because the girl with the, that was the. The adulteress. Yeah, the adulteress. Then there's a girl that gets randomly grabbed and then she gets raped by like all three of the guys. And then there's like another scene where the girl who's with them, well, there's a sec- well, there's she a sex gets scene. raped by the tribes people. Oh, so there's know? three rape scenes. Did she scenes. get raped though? Yeah, she did because you, I don't it shows him. I just remember her No, being one of the tribes members spread her legs and okay. it was pretty crazy. You're probably right. I, I paid just, attention because I remember. I remember rape scene one and then the agreeable sex scene between the the main dude and one of the main dudes and the main chick or whatever. Right. Like there's that agreeable rape that's, that almost looks like rape well, when it starts out and you get a little confused. But well, I guess in Green Inferno, there was like technically three rape scenes too in a the way. The fucking horn? Yeah. Which was done by a woman. Yeah. Which, which I guess is a kinder, gentler rape. I don't no. like what the fuck. No. <laughs> no. Abs I don't give a fuck. Is that why he did that? that? So is me. that why there's no, a they, woman? They do that entirely to determine who's a virgin. Right. Among the three. Their way of trying to determine who was the virgin among the group. So in this sense, I guess it would have paid off to be a whore, essentially, because he wouldn't have been made out for this whole big sacrifice that they essentially right. prepare her for. But she ends up, it actually pays off to be a fucking virgin in this film because yeah, she's she the only lives. one who survives. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically. You hear that, ladies? Only... You hear that, men? Don't, Don't be a whore. Yeah. Well, and the tribe virginity is like a huge thing. Be they, a promiscuous bitch. And, it's and fine, ladies. They admitted in the in the cannibal holocaust as well. After seeing this for the first time for me, like I've held off because I've heard I don't remember hearing anything positive about it, to be quite honest. Like come to find out Stephen King gave it like 
Oh, he loved it. Glowing responses. He's tweeted out and he was like, like a glorious throwback to the drive-in movies of my youth. Bloody, gripping, hard to watch, but you can't look away. And it's like, what? Steven. I, f- I feel like, did he only watch a compilation of kill scenes? I don't know. On YouTube for that film? That would make I'm more a sense, right? fucking confused as to if we watch the same movie. Gripping is when the whole movie is entirely gripping. Like, right. there is no, like, loose gripping. It's It was, no, it was almost like everybody, like, the story lost its grip 50 times throughout the movie, and all the little pieces were the gripping moments. Yeah, it took 45 minutes to build anything fucking gripping in that film, and then it had you for about 10 fucking minutes, and then it lost you immediately after. Yeah. And then it would get you again and then it would lose you and get you again and lose you. There was no constant hold, you know, and there's there's so many other films that catch you from beginning to end. I mean, the the one like of the, grabs you. One of the biggest ones I could think of a more recent film is like The Revenant. Okay. Gets you from the fucking beginning and holds you to the fucking end. I and saw I, it in the I've, theater. I've seen some people recently that I've actually like have given it bad reviews and I don't understand why. Let me ask you this. What is your favorite scenes? Okay. Maybe maybe not even favorite scenes. Maybe we just call it like laughable moments or, you know, whatever it is. The opening scene, as I've discussed a little bit, as far as their introduction with the tribe of when they sacrifice the one main, the, the quote unquote fat dude. Yes. He's not even fat. He's not even fat. Yeah. No. But that He's scene, just a bigger guy. That scene is cinematically ah! fucking beautiful. Right. It is absolutely in the, the per, like it's primitive. Long. It is very long. Yeah. And he is alive far longer than he actually would be in real oh, life. Oh, he would be passed out from pain. Oh, yeah. That's what I could think. And I'm like, he's going to be out. As soon as they chop off his arm because they gouge his eyes first and they cut That would have passed out. him out right there. They cut his tongue out. No, he. I can still see him being being coherent from the eye gouging and the tongue cutting out. But as soon as they cut off his first arm, he'd be out. Yeah, that's too much pain. That's too much. Your body would be in complete fucking shock by that point. But the human body is an incredible machine. Right. But However, it is a good moment. It is fantastic. a good. It is probably one of the more shining moments in the whole fucking film. It's fantastic. Yeah. If you look at that and just the beauty that's behind that entire scene and how that's filmed is great. However, I almost feel, and I, you know, I'm not going to talk about the scene that I actually really, really love because I feel like it's going to spoil a pretty decent part for people if, who haven't seen it. And just save it for the end, for the yeah. end of this, this part. Really love the first scene, the first dissection and essentially like offering that they make. Love that scene to fucking death. Still feel like they opened too fucking hard with that. I felt like they should have saved that a little bit towards the end ish. Right. But love the scene with the vegan, not the shitting, oh, yeah, not huh. the shitting the cage scene, but the scene where she smashes the bowl down on the ground and cuts her throat and cuts her fucking throat. Yeah. And by the way, guys, but then they sorry made if that we spoiled fucking this. Stupid. But then they ruined it. Yeah. They kind of make it. Then stupid. they fucking ruin it. And it pisses the me guy off because off. that was such a great fucking stance for that chick to make. And right. I loved it. I thought it. about that, too. I it was, was like, such a power play. That's probably like the right thing to do. Huh? It was such a fucking power play. She just realizes that she ate her fucking friend and she's not. Not okay with it and that was a big fucking power play and a big fuck you to all these people that are holding her captive yeah she breaks that fucking dish and slits her own throat and she knows she's gonna fucking die and she was an annoying fucking character yeah she kind of was absolutely yeah. annoying like she was actually one of the only believable characters until they did the whole shitting the cage scene and then it fucking ruined it with her right Made and it then comical. it brought it back around with that whole thing and i was like fuck yeah are you talking about like directly what happens after that with the ants no, with the guy jerking off. 
Oh, yeah. He's like jerking off that she's dead. Yeah. And he's like, no, oh, I'm talking about the, the stuffing. stress. It'll help the stress. No, I'm talking about stuffing the weed. In oh, throat God. To get the tribe high. Cringe alert. I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, they're like, like, okay, first of all, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm like, oh, God, that's what they're going to do. I was like, I was like, okay, I can I can kind of get around that idea. Maybe that it will, but it would never be. It would have had to been like an ounce and a half of fucking pot, but they fucking not a fucking play it quarter. Off like it works. Yeah, and then it play it off like it works, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. But instead of just cutting it off at bad idea, they decide to go for horrible oh, idea. God, I like cringe worthy. Like, what the fuck is this a joke? Like, oh, he's got munchies. Like, oh, they're really high. Stupid. And then they start eating him, and he's like, oh, my God, they've got munchies. And it's like, oh, my God, you did not just do that. Did you? Just, I. Did you just do that? Like, you really just did that, huh? So fucking ridiculous. I was, I, I, I just, I can't. Like, sorry, guys. Like, if you like the movie, I'm sorry. But just for me, that was the cheese dickest no, moment. I want to know why you liked the movie. it. If you did like the film, I want to know why, and I want to know specific reasoning and pinpoint facts as to why. Well, it's you never going to make so, sense for us. So comment on it. It's and not going to. And if you like that part, I want to know why the fuck you resonate with that part of the film because I want to understand your psychology behind it because I felt like it was so absolutely fucking unnecessary. It was the worst. Just part like of the, movie. the fucking diarrhea, I feel sick, cage shitting scene. That was bad. Why was that fucking necessary? It was just yeah. The only part of any of the quote unquote comedic relief of that film that I kind of understood that was like still tied into the story it was a little bit kind of funny was the little kid running away with the full fucking leg still with the boot attached to it <laughs> yeah. after they ripped that guy to fucking pieces and the little kid runs out of the crowd with the fucking with leg the and the boot that was funny but it was like a subtle funny yeah it and wasn't like in your face you should laugh it wasn't now. an in your face like laugh track fucking like yeah ha, 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 ha. like this is funny this chick's shitting this shitting herself in this cage or this guy's jacking off or or whatever it just it like that was a like genuine flowing comedic relief point right in that film that i felt like flowed very very well with it while the others were forced well one of the guys the sabaro guy where he gets torn apart a little bit and that was kind of cool i still think the best part is where the big guy gets torn apart on the slab the first the first introductory yeah scene. the first it, that's the best thing that's about the best it cinematically that is the best scene it's the most visceral and it's the most beautiful another funny moment that was supposed to hit like oh my god all the shit's broken loose is when they leave the plane and a bunch of things happen <laughs> after the girl gets stabbed in the head like the girl falls out of the tree in the fucking seat and she's like <laughs> i'm sorry but i love when the dude runs into the fucking propeller oh that was yeah that was funny he was like but that, that hold on let me help <laughs> that felt so fucking intentional to me though like if you watch that without sound to it it looks like he's like fuck this and just runs into the propeller right. which felt more i'm done which feels more organic to me because in that situation i'm putting myself there i'm going i'm probably gonna die here anyway so i'm gonna control my own fucking death sure i'm gonna run into this goddamn propeller and kill myself i'm not gonna let some motherfuckers like rape the fuck out it of me it wasn't supposed to be intentional cut me up. no but it appears that way right and the shit fucking dialogue they throw on top of that makes it even fucking worse yeah well in the in the like cgi that they did on his head so was a little bad. weird so bad it didn't look real like it looked like oh they just, just painted on his head anything the only 
part, the actual crash scene mm-hmm. leading up into the crash scene was actually very, very beautifully filmed. Yeah, when they spin it was it done very well, especially when the fat guy, quote unquote, fat guy that gets ritualistically slaughtered a little bit later in the film pukes. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he gets it all up his eye. It's like slow motion, str- beautifully fucking. Filmed. I thought it was okay. Yeah, that scene is fantastic up until the point where it gets very. Um, oh my god, what are those films? The the fucking plane crash. Oh, Final Destination. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, and I'm correct, right? The first film. Yeah. Plane yeah. Sorry. No, Final Destination. It's a very Final Destination esque moment. Yeah, in, okay. in the plane crash scene where it is so perfectly done and the people being sucked out in the back when the when the back part of the plane kind of yeah, yeah that was kind of cool like that's cool that's legit and then all of a sudden it turns final destination with this big fucking tree branch coming through and taking out the fucking one of the pilots and oh I'm his just face like, yeah they didn't even show his face after it really it was shitty it was it was, it was like shitty. cool at first and then it was like well show more I'm like well that was lame yeah, I'm like, okay, so it was just this really fast, like... There were some of the things that they did in this movie that were supposed to be, like, other movies, like, like part from Jungle Holocaust, part from, like, Eaten Alive, part from fucking Cannibal Pharaoh, part from fucking Cannibal Holocaust. Holocaust. And I think it's probably a good segue right now, just yeah, to jump right into, into the it. Cannibal Holocaust part. Cannibal Holocaust came out in 1980 mm-hmm. on the dot. This story goes, During a rescue mission into the Amazon rainforest, a professor stumbles across a lost film shot by a missing documentary crew. And that's not actually really the story. He legitimately goes out there to seek these documentary crew that's supposed to bring this film back to them. Mm-hmm. And he has to go through all these like paths and beats that all these documentary crew went through of these cannibals and stuff. And he actually gets into the belly of the fucking beast, so to speak, and brings the film back but what he finds on this film is pretty fucking appalling to Mm -hmm. him and he has to convince these like hollywood producers or whatever not to actually create and show this quote-unquote documentary which is it's it's like two movies it's like two different movies it's interesting um but this movie was directed by ruggero diodato previously like i said he did the jungle holocaust in 1977 he did house on the edge of the park body Mm -hmm. count there's a movie that I have not seen that I really want to see. It's called Profane Exhibit. I haven't seen that either. I have a poster Christina got from one of the fucking uh, conventions, the San Diego Comic-Con. Comic-Con? San Diego Comic-Con. Anyway, I want to really see that. But this is uh, part two, technically, of Cannibal Holocaust. It's actually part two of the Cannibal Trilogy for Diodato. The first one's Jungle Holocaust. The second one's Cannibal Holocaust. And the third one is actually takes place with some hillbillies that go out to Colombia again hmm. uh, called Cut and Run. Those hillbillies in Colombia. Right. Uh, and also the writer for this movie is Gianfranco Clerici, uh, the New York Ripper. He did the movie there. He wrote that. He did Murder Rock, The Bloodstained Butterfly, Don't Torture a Duckling, Nazis, Love Camp 27. Excellent. And uh, House, The House of Clocks, which I never knew it was a TV movie. It's a Lucio Fulci film, but he did a lot more it's too. It's a TV movie? Yeah, I didn't know that either. It's a really, if you're into Lucio Fulci just for mm-hmm. gore, it's yeah. not a good movie. Right. But if you're into just like a really cool story, I like The House of Clocks. It's good. This stars Robert Kerman, Francesca Sciardi, Perry Perconin, and the music was done by Riz Ortolani. Now, to give you guys kind of an idea about Robert Kerman, who is the main star, he's like the professor in the movie. 
he does pretty much 70 percent of the movie pretty much he was in the movie eaten alive which is another cannibal movie he was in this one cannibal holocaust he was in cannibal pharaoh he's done an insane amount of movies uh he's done over 186 movies he's like 69 years of age right now and a lot of that movies that he did the 186 films were actually porn Mm-hmm. So there was literally years I was looking through his catalog and it was like 30 fucking films, uh, probably porn. Right. Uh, that he did each year. It just blows my mind. He actually. So he started in porn when he first started. He started to become kind of famous and went legit. And then he went back to porn when it dried up a little bit. He thought that this was kind of going to be a breakthrough film moment for him um, to kind of break away from the Probably. porn aspect. And then all of the controversy that was hit with this film, his legitimate roles dried up very, very quickly. And Maybe, so he yeah. Went right back to porn. Well, he's done some more legitimate ones, but ultimately he did go back to porn. But unknown fact or sort of known fact, his parents were pickle makers. So, you know, pickle makers. <laughs> Pickles are delicious. They know a thing or two about a dill pickle. They know a thing about a dill pickle. And making that <laughs> some rigid shit. <laughs> I don't know what the budget is that they spent on this movie, but I think it was like in the 80s. I feel like it was very low. It was very low. And this movie made approximately overall everything said and done after all the trials and tribulations that they went through it's said that they've made over 200 million dollars in profits from this movie which makes sense because it took a little while for it to gain steam right and i think it made like five million the first 10 days in the u.s box office japan was one of the biggest actually there's two movies in japan that have been the biggest (laughs) movies ever in japan and Cannibal Holocaust is number two. number two. And this is, we're talking about back in the it, 80s, guys. It, but it, and it's Japan, though. And it's Japan. With no fucking filter. $15 million, I think, were made at the box office that first week before it got pulled. And it's literally competing with E.T. Mm-hmm. That is the only other movie that's ever the been. The extraterrestrial. Yeah, guys. like what the e fucking T. Dude, like, first Cannibal of all. Cannibal Holocaust second to E.T. This movie's like chock full of a little bit of animal murder, and it's pretty brutal in that sense. It's a whole lot of fucking animal murder. Japan, I don't think, has any laws. It's like one of the only places that has no laws against animal murder for film. But yeah, it it was more successful in Japan. They like love this fucking movie. Which makes sense if you look at their their film background and like the films that have made it big in Japan. I I can see I'm big in Japan. I'm huge in Japan. Well, what did you think of this film? I went first last time. So what do you think? When I was first exposed to Cannibal Holocaust, I felt like such a little badass because I mean, I was born in 1990. Okay. You know, this film came out in 1980. It's been a thing for a while. Yeah. You know, so I felt like this total fucking badass when I was 13 years old. Yeah. You know, finding out about this film and being able to watch it because my friend had a fucking copy on VHS and it was like the coolest fucking thing ever because it was supposedly banned in so many countries. Right. And this completely unspeakable film and it was so horrible and so violent and so blah, 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 whatever. I watched it. I think I was 12. 
the right. first time I watched it. I don't even think I was 13. That's pretty fucking young. And my friend was like, oh, I've got this, co-, you know, but I was this little badass. It was like a total little punk goth girl. Like, I, <laughs> I thought I was cool as fuck, you know, and I still think I'm cool as fuck. So <laughs> it's not really all that different. Well, everybody's reality is a little different. But I was kidding. like, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I want to watch this shit. Like, you stole this fucking VHS copy for your parents. Like, let's fucking yeah. watch it, Is it, it a right? porno? Is it a fucking porno? That's like, technically so what it's weird. like. It's it, like it having is. porno. It kind of is. At that you know? age, especially. So that young, being exposed to that film, I remember watching it for the first time and being completely just in awe and looking at it going, holy shit. Right. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? But I will say the common ground between when I first watched the film to when I more recently watched the film to in comparison to when I just again watched Watch it the again, film, yeah. The other day, the only thing that still resonates me with me on the same level of just pure fucking disgust yeah. is the animal scenes. Right. And what is so sad to me is that I am still more upset about the scenes where they kill the animals, especially now that I know all of that is real. Mm-hmm. Every single animal that they kill in that film happened right that was legitimate they killed those animals in cold fucking blood on film for artistic purposes right which i do not fucking agree or with. food some of them they were. did give every single every animal that they did kill in that film they did gift to the tribe so they could use it right which i understand but still, it really bothers me. Like, it, that's it one is. thing that I just, I can't. And that sounds kind of sad a little bit. That no, it's not I sad. I was more bothered by the fact that they are killing and torturing these animals than anything they did to any of the humans in the film. That's a little sad. Well, I mean, and to it's put a, put it into perspective, sad. I think if like I always have I have some vegan friends and they like will tell me like, how can you eat meat? Like and they're not not necessarily always pushy, but it's like if we knew how our food was prepared, you wouldn't be able to eat it. No. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't be able to eat meat because you'd be like, oh, my God. I specifically avoid that because I really like fish and I really like chicken. Right. And I'm not saying that, that, that this movie is OK for what it did, because even the director, the cinematographer and, and a lot of the people that were attached to this movie were really upset that they they pushed it to that limit. But they explained it as like kind of like being a lawyer and that if you're representing a murderer, like it's your job in a way. And they were so gung ho on the idea of making this so realistic. realistic. Yeah, that. That even though they did it and they regret it like dearly and it like caused so many problems for so many people because they did animal murder. A lot of people thought that they actually murdered real, real people. people. Yeah. Which is yeah. fascinating Which, to me. Like I and I hoped and I hoped like anytime I watched this film before I became a understanding and realistic fucking adult. Right. I looked at that and went, that's just great makeup work that's no, just great. yeah that's just great filming you know they didn't actually some of the best yeah <laughs> kill and torture these poor fucking animals no they did yeah those are the only legitimate deaths in the entire film are these poor fucking creatures right that they literally peeled from the fucking jungle floor and they murdered them in cold fucking blood for this film and i don't know it, it really bothers the fuck out of me and that's one of the biggest things that i but- We'll tip my hat off to Eli because he would not fucking do that. And you know what's really interesting, though, is that even though we see these animal deaths in this movie, 
Do you know that out of all the movies that have used animals and killed them, this is not even as bad? No, it's not. It just showed it. And that's sad. But you know, a movie like Milo and Otis, where they were chucking dogs, or was it Homeward Bound? I can't remember. I think it was called Milo oh, and don't Otis. Don't tell me that. Don't ruin those movies for me. Dude, <laughs> they were literally, they went through 10, 20 dogs, throwing them off the cliff. Oh my God, shut up. I'm not joking, dude. So when you compare it to Milo and Otis, which is this this heart-filled story of two friends coming together to make it, and then Cannibal Holocaust, when you weigh it together, Milo and Otis is the most fucked up. I didn't know that, and that's yeah. like that really makes me want to fucking. Vomit. I I can't watch it again because of it. No, I will never. I didn't even like that. Movie like to I still with, that, I that makes me. That's that's what I used to make me feel better about this movie. Can't handle it. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know, guys. I'm a big old fucking softie. Not even fake. when it's fake, it it's, bothers. It's me. hard to swallow. Yeah, even when it's fake, it bothers me. And that's, sure, and that's again is a little sad about how that speaks to me more than killing. A human for fate. <laughs> well, they in a don't. Movie. The, the humans can. They've. They. There's too their, many of them. Yeah. It's fine. But <laughs> whatever. Um. But still. Like, but the difference between the two, though, it, to me, is it's like a big fucking difference. They wasted animals' lives for no point. Whereas Cannibal Holocaust, at the very least, it's a They ate value. them. They did eat. They them. eat they did every consume... single one of. Them. Well, except for the spider and maybe the snake. I don't the know. The spider and the snake. Well, the snake. I'm sure they probably used, but the spider. They probably was, did. The spider's completely eviscerated. But yeah, the spider is probably the biggest thing. And which I'm, my husband, I'm sure, is fine because he fucking hates. Spiders, I don't like animals. So sure I don't like spiders. Fine with that yeah. shit. Like fucking kill him. And I'm like, I fucking love tarantulas. So I'm like, God. And I had to rewatch that film and put those scenes on mute. Yeah. And look away. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of screaming. But I can watch the most fucking violent. I mean, I mean gratuitously violent fucking murder right. scenes and not be bothered. I think it's interesting, though, to make the comparison that, you know, something is like the imagery that is in the movie Cannibal Holocaust is less of a fucking waste of human or animal life than something like Milo and Otis where Which they edited all out of it out. Yeah, it's and sad, right? Me. I think the movie, aside from the animal death, like for its idea and use of filmmaking to make it seem as real as possible was not the first, by the way. It is not the first found footage no. film. The original first found footage film is called Punishment Park hmm. and that actually came out 1971. Nice. There's two movies that pop out when you talk about fun footage, and it's always going to be Blair Witch Project, which is the most recent. 99, I think it came out. And then you got Cannibal Holocaust, which came out in 80. Yeah. So interesting. I still think it, it what it did with it is believable in a lot of senses how they treated it. There's a lot of scenes in the movie that make you go, oh, that seems so real. Oh, it's absolutely believable in almost every aspect of that film. Right. Especially for its time. When like, you people are probably the like, what the that fuck? that shit was released and the amount of controversy they dealt with after the fact of that oh, film being yeah. released. And we'll get into that. And I mean, some serious fucking controversy after that was released and i mean that's something that wouldn't happen this day and age there is some parts of the gore that were good like believable good a lot of the some of it wasn't i felt like more of the and obviously since it was real the most believable aspects of that film were the animal deaths versus the human deaths. right but do, now here's the question do you think it would have hit 
with the public as much without the animal. No. Probably would have been I don't. just a regular dumb film. I don't think it would have had the impact that it did if it if they didn't include the deaths of the animals in that film. Because it was shocking. It was shocking. It was shocking. It was disgusting. It made right. people fucking physically sick. Yeah. Because if you look at all the other death scenes in that film, for the most part, all of them are very implied. Yeah. They're not direct. They don't show it directly. Obvious yeah. if you co- especially if you compare it to a film like The Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. They are not very obvious. Well, that's very start to at finish. All. Right. It is very implied and very but you have to imagine, you have to use your brain and picture exactly what's going on in these scenes. Mhm. And I actually prefer that in film, in a lot of aspects where there's a good, where there's a good story. I like gore. I love gore. I fucking love gore. I'm a gore whore to the fucking end. Yeah. The visceral feel of all of that, but there is a point where it gets shocking nature, and it's annoying. Right. And that's where I get frustrated with films lately is because they rely too much on gratuitous violence and gratuitous gore and there's no fucking story. Which is interesting that you say that because part of the reason that the director made this movie is based on the fact that he was seeing so much news coverage of terrorism of His what they called was watching yeah, the Red Brigades and he thought that the media was focused on portraying violence with little regard for journalistic integrity supposedly right. and he believed that a lot of it was staged because it didn't make sense. It didn't that make sense. It didn't make sense. So right. it gave him the inspiration to go, oh, why would people do that? And then he was like, oh, what if there was like a movie that we made? And that's how it kind of came about. Which is another reason why the the film jumped to the status that it did. Sure. Just because it was something that a lot of people were thinking. Just a like Blair Witch too, though. A lot of people were feeling at that time frame was how much of what I'm viewing on this news station is actually legit. Well, and I also think during the time that this movie came out, we were discovering new new countries people were being more aware of like where places were like where vietnam was and things like that absolutely so they were like what parts of the world have we not seen people were becoming more educated yeah because of the television and you know we have more exposure right to everything so they're becoming more educated to the different parts of the world that they are not accustomed to right and so then and then a movie like this comes along and they're going holy fucking shit obviously these deaths of these animals are fucking real like what's to say these deaths of these humans aren't fucking real for the sheer dramatic value to make this movie yeah and even today some of those those animal death scenes you wouldn't even be able to fake no like it's just like you know it's real turtle yeah, the turtle. That's the one my buddy James was like, dude, that's probably one of the most disturbing parts is the turtle. And the one the one of the main actors that plays and they they're all shit fucking human beings. Like the men, every every man in Cannibal Holocaust is just like a shit human being in that film. Right. Perry Perkinen is the actor that played that character. I don't remember which character he was. He was like the I one said, that shot the pig. The what? He's the one that shot the pig. Really? I think so. And this is what led it into people believing that this film was real. In fact, I think it was ten days after the film premiered in Italy, it was ordered to be seized by mm-hmm. the local like government, and Diodato was actually a 
arrested on obscenity charges. He was later charged with making what they called a snuff film, which mm-hmm. is big, big name back then, due to the rumors that uh, claimed some of the actors were killed on camera, although it was cleared later on because he was like, he hit up his friend. He was like, listen, they're trying to convict me of murder. Can you please resurrect some of the people that we killed off uh, and we may believe that they were really dead? A lot of other countries just like slapped it off. Like they took it out of the fucking cinemas. It grossed approximately $2 million in US and $21 million in Japan. So we were Mm -hmm. off by like $6 million. Sorry. So that's huge. A lot of people compared this to the Blair Witch. The director, Diodato, was like, what are you what are you talking about you know like what is this film that you mean and then he went and went to see it like opening weekend or like a week or two after and he was like oh this is nothing like my film there are some parts that seem reminiscent of it and maybe he's like it's more about the style that they're using the camera that's the only thing i can see that's really i don't see anything else other relatable no he pointed out something that he saw like a log in the water that could have been an alligator as an homage yeah the the only relatable sequence I can see for them comparing that to Blair Witch is how it's filmed. It's it makes the, sense. The too. same found footage kind of shaky camera angle, you know, that's been made very, very popular with films like Cloverfield and things like that, of, that it's taken from a viewer's video camera. Mm-hmm. It's not been fucked with and it's not been, you know, fixed. Right. And so I can I can see that aspect of it. But that is literally the only point that I can make a comparison to. Right, and even when Cannibal uh, Holocaust was made, they didn't have found footage films. It wasn't a thing. Yeah, it wasn't until like fucking Blair Witch came Mm -hmm. around. They were bridging on the found footage genre Mm -hmm. with Cannibal Holocaust or, you know, the the cannibal type films that came out a year prior or a year after or whatever. They're bridging on that aspect of that genre, but that's not something that they're thoroughly trying to introduce at that time frame. And it kind of died off for many years. I'm sure there's other films that probably came out before the Blair Witch that I'm not familiar sure. with. But Punishment Blair Park. Witch, right. But the Blair Witch is really what popularized the found footage oh, genre. It took it to the mainstream. And brought just it like everybody's Cannibal. attention to it. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust was like mainstream-ish because it was in the news and everything like well, that. So a lot of people didn't see because it. Because it was so highly. Right. Like, but Blair banned. Witch just fucking blew the doors off. And that's when everybody knew what the fuck it was. I love found footage films. So. I do too. I don't mind them if they're done right. They're done. There's right. a lot of bad ones. There's more bad ones than there are good ones. Yes, but when they're really good and they hit all the points and the acting spot works. on and the information is like legit and they actually did their research, mm-hmm. like it's legit. It's like actually pretty cool. Oh yeah, there's there's one in particular that I fucking love. So which I totally feel you on that, and I'm gonna space the name of it because I said that. <laughs> Mila Jojovich is the main actress. Oh, the fourth kind. Yes. Yeah. Love it. I actually liked it too. I I don't know why everybody was giving it. People got mad that they were tricked, and I didn't. I got mad because I was tricked, so I get it because I thought it was legit as fuck until I did a little bit more research and I delved a little further into it and found that they fucking lied to me. Yeah. And I was like, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah, I know. And I thought it was real too when I first saw it. As much as Mouse and I fucking love aliens, like I, to me, when I watched that film, I'm like, holy shit. Like, all the shit they're feeding me, and then stupid fucking Fifth right. Element, Mila Jojovich is coming around like, oh, blah, 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 and I'm like, fuck you, you <laughs> sultry bitch feeding me these lines, and I totally believe everything you're saying to me. <laughs> and it was just, that's that film was fucking spectacular. Like, wow. I, oh, anyway, I digress. No, Continue. that's fine. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll have to watch it sometime. Please, I love that movie. One of the things about the locations that they were shooting here, when they first went out to find locations for this movie, the director, the producer, and like the writer, and all these people went out to Columbia, but they couldn't find any jungle areas, and then they were literally headed back, and the producer was pissed, and he was like, we gotta find a fucking place or not do this movie at all, and when they were riding back, they met a guy who had actually traveled all over the place, and he was like, yeah, we were trying to find jungle in Colombia is like well have you seen all of Colombia and he was like well no I haven't we we're looking for a jungle. We couldn't find it. Seemed like five percent. And he was like, "Go to Leticia." Okay, so then they they landed. They went back to Leticia or something. And they were, maybe they were in the airport. I don't remember if they left or not. But they flew to Leticia, which is like right on the border of Colombia uh, of Colombia near Brazil and Peru. So it was like this. Am it was the Amazon literally. And at this time, there was actually like real tribes that would eat people at this time. Yeah. Like at this time, I I believe you could only fly into this place. They stayed in a hotel that was more like a shack. There was boats everywhere. That was the only way that you could travel. So they had to put all their gear, luggage, everything on a boat sometimes and just like ride out in the middle of nowhere for these locations. It was it was still like that when they did the Green Inferno. Right. And it was super dangerous, too, because there was piranha. Well, actual was, legitimate fucking animals that will kill you. Yeah. Piranha, crocs, sharks. Tarantulas, they even said there snakes. were sharks that would come up the, the waterway from the main well, ocean. Well, if they're close enough to a main ocean waterway, they'll wander. It's warm enough, even though it may be fresh water in comparison to salt. Bull mm-hmm. sharks are notorious. Bull sharks in particular are absolutely notorious, especially in that type of setting where they will right upstream even if it's fresh water they can survive in fresh water perfectly fucking fine and bull sharks are actually the most aggressive breed right of shark and they will cross between fresh water and salt water and they will travel up a fucking dirty ass fucking stream that you can't Berkey fucking see them, and they will eat the fuck out of you they're <laughs> yeah, I, fucking mean a lot of the times when they were in the water i was like what the fuck are they doing get out and not only were there like and giant fucking amazonian snakes and shit and not just like like regular animals and stuff were dangerous too but they actually had drug this was like a drug haven so a lot of people were like transporting drugs back and forth in this area right on oh, the parasites right well and the, the parasites I'm sure... that are completely unknown in the 80s in comparison to now oh yeah Fuck that. Like, I'm curious if the the crew that was treated, like the crew in Green, the Green Inferno was treated very severely for parasite infections when they returned uh, from Peru after filming. And I'm curious if that even happened with the with the crew that came back after filming for Cannibal Holocaust. Well, in the Green Inferno, I know Eli Roth wouldn't hire anybody as an actor unless they, and they, they were vaccinated. They had to do a yellow fever shot. Yep. They did. So I don't that's like something I didn't even consider about with these guys. But guys, if we have already told you, like there's two parts to this movie. The first part is like the, the professor trying to find these people. Second part is he finding the film and then watching it and trying to edit together. Yeah. And they, then realizing how depraved it was. And how they negotiate to get the actual film. Right. And so the first part with the professor going to find them, they shot it in 35 millimeter. But the second part, they shot it in 16 millimeter to make it seem more realistic mm-hmm. because it most people, nobody would ever have a 35 millimeter camera back then. They would have a 16 millimeter always or an eight millimeter camera or some shit. One of the actors who shot the pig, he said that it didn't actually bother him and he didn't give a quote unquote hoot about that part. <laughs> Even though he got threats for it, he did say that he was more upset about the monkey part where they cut the brain open. Well, the 
but because he said it felt like it was more like a human being. Well, because they I mean, they are. But the director actually had this whole crazy monologue for the actor that shot the pig that he wanted him to say after he shot the pig, but he fucked it up. Right, he botched it. He completely botched it after he did it, and they were only actually allotted one pig to slaughter. Right, so they didn't, So yeah. they couldn't refilm it, so they couldn't include this crazy monologue that he wanted to include. And, I mean, part of me is very thankful because that was, right. besides the turtle killing, that was the hardest part for me to watch was them shooting that poor defenseless fucking pig. Right. And probably because my dog's name's Pig, and he's a lot like a pig. So yeah, that really would bother me. me it, I mean, like, that part was pretty crazy. It was awful, and it's just a baby and i'm like come the fuck on well but like even, with the tur- with, but even with the monkey they had to kill too mm-hmm. well even diodato said that that you know that he whole thing was that. just was one of the he's he's one of the biggest regrets he's ever had in his life is that he did the animal deaths yeah and he he tried not to, he tried to avoid the monkey deaths as much as possible yeah, and even uh the director of photography sergio defazzi he said that he's not too proud of the work too because he didn't like taking advantage of weak things. Absolutely. So, which he meant by animals. So, I mean, and clearly, even though he said that nobody argued or rebelled against the the the, the situation, he said it was still Yeah, well, I mean, they use them. They right. and they use them fully, which is fine. That's how anybody who hunts their actual food, that's what should be done. I mean, mm-hmm. then they gifted all these animals to the tribes for them to use for food and for, you know, um protection or whatever like whatever they could use from them was all at least it didn't go to waste it didn't go to waste like when they killed the monkey they used two monkeys to do the shot the only reason that they did real monkeys by the way guys was not because diodato roguero diodato wanted to do it he actually encouraged them to use fake brains fake monkeys he had an actual fake like monkey's skull and brain for them to use for filming in that particular scene but they argued with him about it because it's a delicacy right and that's so when they're eating it they're they're legitimately eating eating it it. yeah (laughs) but they had to do it two times so that was like one of the only wasteful Mm -hmm. scenes but it still was eaten it was still eaten but yeah they were technically allotted to kill too right on a lighter note and probably the last little bit of trivia they did play a trick on one of the like girls in the movie. Uh, I think it was the main girl who was part of the the club or the the documentary people. They put a fake skull in the ground or something like that. Or I don't know if it was fake or real or not, but they put it in the mud and they were like, "Hey, w- what's that over there?" Shut up! I didn't see this at all. This is exciting to me. Yeah. So they were like, and she was like, "What?" And he was like, "Over there. What is that? What do you what do you got there?" And she dug it up. And it was like a human skull. And she was like freaked out. Like she got suddenly scared like that they were actually real cannibals around. Oh, shit. <laughs> so she got like freaked out like way too much. And they felt kind of bad about it because they said it was a little too far. Oh, this is where I would come in and be like, can I keep it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I keep this for my personal collection? Let's pick some couple quick scenes that we think are pretty interesting for this. Just pick one each and then we'll kind of wrap it up and like compare the two real quick. As far as like ingenuity or like scenes that kind of like iconic scenes, I would have to say the chick on the stick. Uh, It's my personal favorite. Yeah, I think that's like something I've never seen. It was most horrific thing that... It looks so real. Uh, and to give you guys facts about that, a girl was sitting on a bicycle seat. Yes. They actually formed, a, they put a fucking bicycle seat at the end of this, like, you know, wh- whatever fucking 
piece of, and I'm going to forget the complete name that they used um, for the, the actual stick. stick. The stake. But they sat this bicycle seat around it, and that's actually what she sat on. And she held a piece of the wood, pointed piece of the wood in her mouth. Right. And sat completely fucking still. For them to film yeah. that, and they, they said it was abnormally still. Yeah, I remember the the notes from the director was he was very impressed with like how just plain calm that she was right throughout the whole filming of that, and I was like, good on you, girl, because that'd be me. Yeah, <laughs> the whole time, just I'm just gonna sit there like I'm actually got a fucking stake through my ass the whole time and while she's sitting there she's like i want to ride my My bicycle bicycle. (laughs) i want to ride my bike you can get staked in the face in the mouth in the ass whatever the fuck and then the rest of me just goes fat bottom girls they make the fucking world what about you do you have any other uh do you have another scene that you might want to bring forward um i mean because there isn't like it's hard to say oh my favorite scene it is hard. There's moments um, that stick out for me, though. It really is hard. But I feel like, to me, the worst. My, no, my favorite is the, the chick on the stick. Right. Like, and iconic. Absolutely to elaborate, fucking iconic. Elaborate on that scene. There's a part where the main guy who's doing the documentary comes up and he's like smiling. It's, and they're like, hey. Rick, you might want to be careful. You know, we're on camera. And he was like, oh, God, how horrible. Him. Yeah, and that's the worst part to me. And like between that and the fact of when they're f- prior to that scene where they find her on the stick, mm-hmm. where they're filming them raping this fucking girl, right? And the female character goes along with it the whole time up until the dude she's fucking decides that he wants to get in on it too, and then she gets fucking upset about it. I think she was pretty upset about the whole thing. She wasn't that upset I think about she it. probably was. It seemed like she, she was, was more, more upset. obsessed about wasting the film right. that they had on that scene. I think that was an up excuse. Up until the point where the dude she's fucking comes in and starts to rape this chick, and then she gets fucking legitimately upset and gets in on it too and tries to like stop it or whatever she's doing and then she gets held off to the side by the other guy and then her right. dude she's fucking or whatever like rapes this chick and i'm like really that's your fucking tipping point like, right i felt take, like you don't really seem like you care until that like i after all the shit that they've seen and they've been through like you're not really gonna try and stop them raping this girl until your little boyfriend goes in and well it's a just, what it seemed like to me Please. is that she was against it from the get and then was she She's it was up, but it wasn't excuse. like like she really hated it i think she was more just because of how conniving they all were i felt like she was upset because she knew where it was headed and that he was going to have sex with that other chick i didn't feel that way that's what i, I don't know it just seemed like it because she was using it as an excuse like oh we're gonna run out of film why are you yeah, wasting film to me it, it feels like for a while she's quiet about it and then all of a sudden she feels that her little boyfriend or whatever is starting to peak interest. Right. And then she starts doing these subtle little like, oh, we're we're going to waste our film on this. Right. Why are you going to waste your film on this? We only have X amount of film that we have left and we have all these other things to do and blah, blah, blah. Her fucking boyfriend or whatever that wants to fuck this girl. And then she gets visibly very upset. And I'm like, bitch, please. Right. Like, and that, I mean, I, it's probably just because I'm a woman, so it really bothers me. But so no, of course. Like, I mean, I, I totally really, understand. Really fucking pissed off from the get go. It was very uncomfortable for me, especially, especially the first time I saw it. Very, very, very uncomfortable. Like, like I've already stated, I just the gratuitous rape scenes. I, I don't see the point in, in well, movies. 
Well, let me ask you this compared to the two. I mean, not to say which one's better, but what do you think? Like just a quick poignant thing that you think about each each one. I'm going to go with um, in comparison to the two. My favorites, Cannibal Holocaust um, for the sheer fact of in its time. Right. What it did for that genre of film. Okay. Um, it was something that was completely cutting edge and completely different than anything else that had ever come out of its day. Okay. And it followed so much controversy and for many, you know, many deserving reasons and many undeserving reasons. And, right. you know, that was something that was completely unheard of for the 80s. And they did a lot with it. And, and in the same respect, as much as the storyline behind the Green Inferno just pisses me off right and falls short and the stupid fucking bit comedy parts they throw in there Mm -hmm. to try and you know keep interest in the film or whatever the fuck they're doing behind it the makeup effects and the practical effects in that film are fan fucking tastic right and that is greg nicotero all fucking day long and his shit is fucking impeccable right and I, I almost wish they had the effects and aesthetic from present day in the 80s. Right. Because I feel like that film would have been banned everywhere. Yeah. If they would have taken the shit that they had in the Green Inferno and put it back in Cannibal Holocaust in the 80s and came up with that shit then, amongst all the other deaths with the animals and everything else and the conspiracy and the, and the weird feeling that was behind the whole film of it being this legitimate cannibalistic tribe and these people actually died. And they did a great job of portraying that back then. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you could have merged part bits and pieces of both films and together that would have been a completely get, unstoppable fucking film that i can understand why it would i be get it but i think what was i think that it because it wasn't so grand in the original is what sold it as realistic to begin with and because we're like in in uh eli ross films they're show pieces where these were sort of like show pieces but they were just so subtle. horrific and subtle they weren't Like, hey, let's show everything. It was like, hey, we're just getting glimpse of this. You know, why would they get close ups of this? So I kind of feel like, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I'm in agreement. I think uh, Cannibal Holocaust is a a better film, even though I'm not a fan of the like animal death and shit like that. Uh, But what they worked in, the conditions that they worked in for the 80s movie back then is had to been a lot worse than what they had to deal with these days. Yeah, one of the worst conditions they had to work in right. these days was it being 110 degrees in the shade. And at least the film, first film sucks, the, but and at least the first film was actually more believable than the second one. Like the second one was just kind of like show pieces. Like, you know what I mean? Like it did have some cool gore, I will give it that. It's, it's your typical Eli Roth, you know, outing um, boasting the feathers kind of film yeah and this was his first film he directed in several years right you know, so this was kind of his big quote-unquote comeback well you know, it was a big movie to pick and it was a big movie to pick and yeah. I, I almost feel like he shit the bed a little bit like he started off he started off too strong he's very very missed he's a, more he's than great. him he's great he i great. like him i support him in a him. lot of ways a lot of things that he does he is great in his own way yeah oh he's, there is good things about him but I, like i said i feel like he's more of a miss than a hit Absolutely. And I think like Knock Knock was great. I loved it. I loved it. There were some parts I didn't like. Um, like the a, a headphones story. thing. It's a different story, though. It's right. A completely different storyline than a lot of films. And it's it a pl- completely different explores, tone from this one, too. It's like absolutely like the acting is like completely different. different. 
So, but I think that's about it for these movies, guys. I know we've been rattling on about all this stuff for a while. We're trying not to expose too much, too, for those of you vaginas that haven't seen these films yet. <laughs> and um, if you haven't already, I mean, it is a piece of cinema history. At least watch Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. At the very it, least out of the two. And I think there's a version without the animal killings that you can watch. Somebody was telling me that it's earlier. It's not as prolific, though. So, yeah, I mean, it. It's, unfortunately, it, it's not the same impact. No, it's it definitely to watch, made me look away. Like I was like, it. no, just mute it, it guys. wasn't even the sound that, that bothered me. It just didn't want to see animals. Just mute it, guys. It makes it a whole lot easier to stomach if you just mute it. <laughs> if you don't have to listen to it. It's still hard to watch. But if you just mute it, I love animals too much. So it is very it's, I mean, I've seen it hard. before in its glory and I still watched a lot of like 70% of it, but there was times that I looked away and I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, turtle scene, don't need to watch, I, gonna move on. And it's just, my biggest comparison back is when I first saw it when I was a, a wee little and, you mm -hmm. know, 12, 13 years old and watching that film and just being completely like, holy fuck. I like, can't even imagine, yeah. You know, and still a little desensitized back then. Right. And now, in comparison to watching The Green Inferno or... Almost any other shocking horror film that's been released over the last several years and mm -hmm. comparing that to this movie from the 80s and going, why was this so fucking terrifying? Right. Why was this so shocking? This is absolutely nothing. These are all implied deaths of these humans. Well, the most see, realistic thing is these animals. But then you, you take that into account and you're. You weren't grandfathered into it. So yeah, so you, you, have, you, you weren't have through the progression. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I wasn't lucky enough to be able to experience it in its grandeur. Yeah. You know, when it came out, I it would have been shocking as fuck. In, you know, early 2000s, like very late 90s. When right. I first saw it. And, and I feel like if I would have experienced it with the rest of the world in 1980 when it was released, I would have felt a whole lot differently. But I still feel, I pref like I said, I prefer it over 2013's fucking Green Inferno. Like, I, I prefer that over now. Sure. And I mean, and we are so... Well, the Green Inferno is like a joke, in my opinion. so <laughs> desensitized as a fucking society now you know we're gonna we're gonna step it back a little bit after this week because we just did two very very in your face yeah over the top gratuitously violent you know films so you know next week we're gonna dial it back just yeah, a little bit but we did something a little more fun a little more uh it's the our next theme still pretty well, they're violent, still pretty <laughs> violent yeah i guess you're right still but it's, pretty, we didn't digress that much yeah, it's still true. pretty a good point. fucking violent like as far I wanted to digress a little bit further, but we kind of settled on a little more medium ground. But, mm -hmm. you know, next week's going to be really fun to you guys. It's, yeah. it's something that's more of a legitimate fear amongst a lot of people. So but, so next week, since we're not going to be doing this week, by the way, for Thursday. So we're skipping this Thursday just for this week. And then next week, it'll be a Monday and Thursday episode. Yeah, we don't want to say what the movies are yet, but we will tell you, you on Monday. Guess. I want to hear your guesses. Yeah, we'll let you know. Yeah. I want to know your guesses because I bet you they'll be right on one of them. <laughs> so sound off in the comments if you sound hear off. this. Sound off. Sound off. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I know. I'm um, <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for coming by. We're sorry we can't make it on Thursday, but we will be back on Monday. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out longlivethevoid.com and also check out our Facebook group called Do You Love Horror? question mark and make sure you add we'll add you in and you can join in on the conversations that we have in there with all these huge horror fans so but other thank than that thank you so much for listening guys give us your feedback we totally appreciate it and um, stay weird monsters we'll see you next week guys
Screw it in the 